Tim Kay here, host of the Veterans Project podcast, founder of the Veterans Project and the Caregiver Project as well. Over the past 18 years, our incredible men and women have been fighting a seemingly never-ending war, thousands of miles from home. Although we are certainly taking care of business overseas and ridding this world of some sinister evil men, this is not without a cost. Some of those costs are seen as in the loss of life and limb, while others are not as visible but still sacrificial nonetheless. PTSD, battle-related stress, sleeping disorders, and traumatic brain injury. Some of you out there know all too well what I'm talking about. Our current medical system's answer is all too often found in the form of prescription opioids, which really just mask the problem without getting to the root. You know what I'm talking about. Fear no more, though. Mayday Organics, founded by by a former hard-charging recon marine, is here with the -the top-of-the-line CBD products, which are all third-party tested to ensure the most stringent of standards are met. With oils, topicals, soft gels, and even pet treats for your little furry friends, Mayday Organics is here to help. Check them out at MaydayOrganics.com. That's MaydayOrganics.com. Check it out. A few years back, I journeyed to Austin, Texas to cover a well-known veteran by the name of Donnie O'Malley, who served as a captain in the United States Marine Corps. And when I did, it became one of the more controversial projects I committed the Veterans Project to. To be totally honest, this passion project of ours was never really meant to lean any one way or cover any certain, heavy air quotes, type of veteran. It was always built on the relentless pursuit of discovering the individuals in our ranks and covering veterans from all walks of life. To those followers who deem this a strange or questionable direction for the project, it truly wasn't. It wasn't a departure from the mission. In fact, I would say that it was a sincere display of what I've always thought the project would become. When I met Donnie on his silky psych in Austin to photograph him, I legitimately did my best to remain open-minded. And when I met him, he admittedly dismantled the stereotype of the brash, vulgar Marine Corps frat boy president idea I had of him. He was polite, genuine, and extremely honest in his approach to his whole team. He made me feel especially welcome, like a VP of sorts, and gave me every bit of access I needed in order to properly capture his mission with Irreverent Warriors and Vet TV. I'll never forget that. And the community I saw surrounding this movement was massive. They were proud to be there at the hike, and proud to once again be a part of a united front that they'd lost when they left the military. Donnie, whatever your opinion is of the man, had created a community that's emboldened by his candid approach to bringing veterans together. That's a fact that can't be argued. As vets, we desperately need camaraderie. And if this issue of suicide that has become so prevalent is going to become an afterthought in the annals of our legacy pieces, we need more initiatives like Donnie's to secure that future. I could speak on this subject for the whole episode, but I think you'd rather hear him speak for himself. Here he is, the one and only Donnie O'Malley. The Veterans Project is a comprehensive essay capturing the legacies of our warfighters, caregivers, and civilians who have stepped forward in defense of our patriotic principles in an effort to capture their stories and to never forget the staggering sacrifices of our nation's finest. This is the Veterans Project podcast, where our legacies are the mission. Here's your host, Tim Kay. 
Okay. Okay, I guess like we're doing it. We're doing it. Doing it. So I just want to start this podcast off by saying if there are any children listening younger than the age of 36. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Turn, turn, pause it, and then bring your parents in and let them listen too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, welcome to Veterans Project Podcast. My name is Tim Gay. I'm your host. Um, we've got Donnie O'Malley here. Uh, we're sitting in the Vet TV studios. I drove all the way for you. I appreciate you every day. Yeah. Okay. I drove out for like ten other guys too, but <laughs> yeah. I heard you were banging Rudy right before you got here. Oh my gosh. Got me all jealous. He's, and- he's beautiful. I know. It's. <sighs> It's unfair. He's Genetics like, too. He's like forty-seven. Yeah, forty-seven. <laughs> so um, Donnie O'Malley, obviously United States Marine Corps officer, led troops into action. I know you're going to laugh at everything I say. So I don't know about lead. Lead <laughs> followed him. Was <laughs> you poor suckers? Get out there! <laughs> um, but he was a lieutenant who led his troops into battle Afghanistan. Right. Battlefield Afghanistan. Battlefield Afghanistan. How many tours did you do again, Donnie? Uh, only one to Afghanistan. My other was uh, to Southeast Asia. Okay. So Donnie now has this incredible creation um, on top of you know what she started with the Reverend Warriors and the Silky Hikes, which I want to definitely get to um, because those are important as well. But Vet TV here, we're live in studio. Donnie, what brought you here, man? What what were what was the you? I know this is like a very vague question. Um, Loaded. Yeah. And by the way, I forgot batteries to start the show, so I had to go over to Lowe's. So that shows you how amateur hour this creation is right now. <laughs> but it worked out for the better because the caffeine finally hit me. Yeah. And now I'm gonna say some shit. Oh man. Woo! We're in for it now. <laughs> I'm gonna be checking your levels the whole time. Like yeah. By the end, you're gonna be hanging from the ceiling. Um, so Donnie, what, what led to you down this path, man, from a, from the young age, did you have a desire to do what you're doing now specifically or, you know, being an artist or was that not the path early on? Uh, yes. So the desire early on at 19 years old was actually very specifically to create my own version of Happy Madison Productions. Okay. After I had learned that Adam Sandler, my favorite, um, actor at the time had created a company where he staffed it with all of his friends and his family and they made people laugh together. I was like, what? How could I live a life that would be more fun and um, and valuable than that? And the answer was I couldn't. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> we'll get close at least. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I made that decision at 19 that I would do that, wow. but I wanted to do 10 years in the Marine Corps first, and then I planned on being a teacher and a coach. And then when I retired from that, that was when I would um, pursue my my dream of creating this production company that made um, comedy. Mm. Um, but my Marine Corps dream was cut short because I'm weak and I break easy, and I was medically retired, and so I. Uh, and I and I was retired, so I then I didn't have to follow the conservative route of being a teacher and a coach first, which I was raised by very conservative parents, m- mom being a teacher and my dad being a doctor, a Navy doctor. Wow. 
Former, he went from Marine grunt to Navy doctor. So very conservative government jobs, public servants. And definitely not in the mold of, you know, wanting their son to create a production company, which no, was, yeah. My, my dad actually said this to me. So I, I went to, you're going to love this actually because you, you majored in, uh, Digital media, media yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I was in college, I wanted to change my major to TV, film, and, and new media. Okay. And at San Diego State. And my dad, uh, he was asking questions. You know, what's the plan? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that after college? Because I only wanted to do it for a few years until I joined the Marine Corps. And at the end of my my explaining, like, what I wanted to do in TV and, and film, he says, Okay. You got your dreams. That's fine. I don't I don't want to put down your dreams, but I will tell you, I am not paying for you to go to college so that you can graduate and then become some starving fucking artist. <laughs> so you better come up with a more solid plan of gainful employment if you're going to pursue your dreams. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Classic dad bringing it back Classic down. Classic dad. Classic and and dad. by the way, my dad is still talking to me and our company leadership like that today bro that's a win though that he's actually he's the pre he's like leading things right now yeah. yeah isn't that crazy like to come to kind of come full circle back to that and like to have him actually like as the leader of like helping you do this yeah which is incredible it's it's unbelievable i'm so unbelievably grateful for my parents it's it's nuts so what in your Marine Corps time really as the structure of that, obviously you always kind of had this dream. What helped push you within your Marine Corps time to start this? And how, how did it help you in what you're doing now? I mean, I see this board behind you and this kind of looks like mm-hmm. something an officer would put together. <laughs> I didn't, I had nothing to do with this. Oh, you didn't do this? No, okay. this is two of our writers, Jessica Mandala and uh, Christopher Michael. Oh, cool. Well, that's um, awesome. Yeah. This yeah. is them. They're writing a show about a Navy corpsman called Devil Docs. Mm, gotcha. Scrubs meets Shameless. Okay, gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but I, I'm guessing that they kind of pulled off of the way that you've started things off and really wanted to drive into it. Or was this just, is this just the kind of people that you surround yourself with that are, you know, kind of in this organizational route where they feel comfortable doing this stuff already? Or, um, I think this comes out of a general desire within our company to, to be great. We, we want, to consistently make things that Netflix is begging for because we're putting it on our platform and Netflix is watching it. They're like, Hey, we'll give you 200 grand for that for two years. Mm -hmm. And now we have to balance, you know, do we, do we, do we give it to Netflix and make our audience like wonder, Hey, should we go watch it on Netflix or watch it on TV and, and accept that we might lose some subscribers, but we get 200 grand in the business. Yeah. Like that's, those are the decisions that I want to get to. So, not to mention anybody who comes into the film, the the, the entertainment industry, uh, with a with a strong desire to succeed, you need exceptional work ethic and exceptional craftsmanship. Right, and that craftsmanship is includes organization and studying what the greats do. And this is what the greats do. They yeah. have to be very organized about their characters and their plots and their through lines and the conflict and so on. And so this is them just trying to be great. Yeah, and I like to think that I'm. That I have, I have enough talent to set the example. Yeah. But I, my greatest talent is surrounding myself with more talented people. Yeah. Who then can look at the example and then think, "Ooh, I can do better," and then they do better. That's awesome. Than, than me. Well, that's awesome, and that's something I found in common. So I just did a project on Evan Hafer, founder of Black Rifle Coffee. Oh God, scared to death of him. <laughs> 
I love he, you, Evan. He frightened me too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Guys, he's a beast, man. He would walk around. He'd be like, you know, just walk into random offices and be like, you're fired. <laughs> and then just like walk out. Like, <laughs> like he's completely joking, but it like totally. looked so serious. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, this would be so yeah. frightening. <laughs> and, and you like, everybody like stays like packed in the black rifle offices and they have their dogs and everything. So you just randomly like grab people's weapons and make sure they were clean. <laughs> and I was like, this is totally their culture. Yeah. Like, dude, Evan, Evan has the demeanor of like the best battalion commander I ever worked with. That's his his demeanor as a, as a man and as a business leader, which yeah. is incredible. Well, he's fascinating. I mean, he was great on the project, but that kind of reminded me of what he would say as yeah. far as like he'd always say, "I'm not a good businessman," but I said, which is freaking. Oh, ridiculous. he's full of <laughs> shit. <laughs> you, Evan. <laughs> you. He doesn't. He does. I don't even. Th- <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I apologize for him. (laughs) And he does too. (laughs) But he would surround himself with, you know, better innovators, you know, like Tom Davin. I was just going to say Tom Davin. Tom is like a genius. I was like, they got, we were, we were like dreaming one day because Tom Davin like advised us for for like a quick minute. Right. And we're just like dreaming. Oh my God. Can you imagine if we hired Tom Davin? (laughs) And then we find out he's working for Black Wife. We're like, you guys, yeah, of course they did, yeah. All-star cast over oh, there. Dude, I know. And it's so funny. So for just to let people know who Tom Davin is, is like he was the CEO of 511. He turned around Taco Bell. He like turned around Panda Express, like brought them to where they are now. Yeah. Did all made all these incredible movements within all these different companies, you know, a Marine Corps officer, I believe. Oh, he was a recon, recon officer. Recon, uh, infantry recon officer. Off, infantry recon officer. Just a very driven guy. And honestly, too, one of the kindest guys that I've met. Oh, God, just, I love him so much. He sat in the room and I remember listening to questions like for hours and, and, you know, just sat there and like listened and was honestly like very active in his listening. And you see that common thread with leadership. Like you in the core know how important it is to be listening to your men. The surrounding of yourself with these smarter individuals, you know, who can really take your company to the next level is so smart. And what you're doing with Vet TV, which I want to get to, of course, what you're doing with Vet TV and surrounding yourself with that is that same model, you know, where you're bringing in these guys who are not only artistic, but organized, doing smart things like this, structuring a business, right? Getting a better, you said to me before the show, I'm not very good at the presidential stuff at being a businessman. That's not my thing. So you bring in somebody else that can do that a little better than you, uh, maybe a lot better than you. A lot. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> I've known Donnie for a little while now. A lot. Um, but, you know, just like coming in and doing that job, you know that you need that. So how much of this has been, you know, modeled off of your career in the core and, and seeing like that, you know, surrounding yourself with great men? Uh, sorry to let you down, but I, I don't, I don't know if it's that much because <laughs> I don't think I was a very good leader in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, and at the beginning of this business, I don't think I was a very good leader. <laughs> um, so there has been an adaptive growth. Where you oh, totally. Yeah. It's, 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 it's constant learning through failure. Mm. And, uh, I think, I think many entrepreneurs would probably agree that that which has made them successful and those who have become successful who have stood out above the crowd are those who make more decisions than everyone else. They're right. constantly making decisions and a really high percentage of those are wrong, but you keep making decisions and through 
you know, AAR after action reports and self-assessment and debriefs and shit. You're learning and, and listening and having everyone tell you how wrong that was. Mm-hmm. It's like as long as you don't stop and as long as you're not a complete just naive moron, mm-hmm. you're going to learn. Right. You just keep pushing and keep making decisions, keep making mistakes, keep learning. And then ideally at some point, the, the ratio of, of, of poor decisions to decisions goes down. Mm. I don't know if that ratio has gone down for me yet, uh, but I think <laughs> in an entrepreneur's career, it should go down. Right. Um, especially as you, as, 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 as I think one of the most important things to do is to, to keep hiring people who are better than you and smarter than you and are as, hopefully as driven as you. And, and, and through that, then your decisions become hiring decisions. Your biggest decisions become hiring. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyways, I, I, I like to think that, that all of us learn through dis- more decisions and, and failure, which goes back to Sun Tzu, mm. the art of war. Right. You got to make decisions faster than your enemy. Mm. And so um, yeah, that's good. So, talk a little bit about the model of Vet TV and what you're doing specifically, because probably should have I probably should have started with that question, but we'll lead into that. What are you doing with Vet TV specifically? What are your goals with it? And talk about the model a little bit for the because you got a bunch of you know you're gonna have a bunch of civilians listening who you know haven't heard um, or have heard, but they want to hear more about it. Okay, so our mission is to recreate, parody, and celebrate the military experience through film and television. Um, We want to create a sense of nostalgia Mm -hmm. in the audience and help them remember the best parts of the military experience. Because for lots of us, the military experience is the most memorable part of our entire lives. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of us are like the the guys still wearing their varsity letterman's jackets, you know, like back when we went to the state championships. Um, by the way, I'm playing a character right now. I never went to the state championships. Okay. <laughs> but the guys who would, who did would say that. Right, yeah. And uh, they would talk about the state championships, mm-hmm. you know, through their 40s or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's what a lot of veterans are. Yeah. And so it's like knowing that we can go back to that experience, we can recreate it in a way that highlights the best parts and we can make you laugh because yeah. I don't know many of us who will willingly talk through the worst parts of our experience. Right. We talk through the best parts of our experience, the fun times we had, the crazy shit we did in the barracks, the crazy shit that went on in combat, mm-hmm. dating, yeah. um, uh, balls and celebrations. Right. Like, we talk about the good times. Mm-hmm. That TV exists to recreate the good times. That's awesome. Hollywood, for some reason, I don't know what the fucking issue is, but they think that people want to see the tragedy. It's like, no. Immersed in PTSD is like the whole model. Like, there's I, I, everything is PTSD. I, I I think it's I think a part of it is is you know a storytellers a, a filmmaker's desire to. Show the world what tragedy we go through. Right. So they got that going on for them. Yeah. We'll show the world how much fun we had (laughs) and how awesome it was being on the front lines of the most powerful military in the world, decimating our enemies. Mm -hmm. That excites the 
out of me and everyone I've ever known who's experienced that. <laughs> who's honest, for so, sure. Yeah, so yeah. so uh, talking about the tragedy, maybe that's an important sometimes, um, but I don't like to dwell on it. Yeah. I like to dwell on the good times and then by getting pe- encouraging people to talk about the good times through recreating it on film and television, some of those dark times and the pain that they've experienced is going to come out. Right. But if we've learned anything from the old generations, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, the dark times, the bad memories are not coming out on their own. They're keeping in that deep down to the bottom until they blow their own brains out because blowing their brains out sounds better than the idea of, of, of reliving those experiences. So we'll relive the happy experiences. It will lead to conversation about the bad experiences. It will lead to connection um, between veterans as they as they text each other after they watch an episode. Bro, you remember that time we did that thing? That TV just did an episode or that time in the <laughs> barracks. Yeah. Uh, when we threw that party, when we had those girls over. Yeah, yeah. Or, oh, you remember that piss test that you almost popped on? You know, oh, like yeah, yeah. All these things that we talk about mm-hmm. that we're excited to talk about and we laugh about, we'll recreate it in film and television. And that it's ultimately what, what we want to do is reinforce community. Yeah. Community building. Is, is what we're doing with, and it started with the nonprofit, and then now we're just taking the, the same elements, right? What's, what's, what's the Reverend Warrior's mission statement? It's we use humor and camaraderie to bring veterans together. Right. Or we bring veterans together with humor and camaraderie. Just bringing together community. We're the digital half of that, and we're able to promote community through entertainment. Yeah. You know, um, one of the, I had a civilian friend who saw your story, who read it and they were like, Oh, that's awesome. What's this vet TV thing? And she was like, I'm going to check it out. And I said, all right. Yeah. Uh, go, go softly first. Of course, the first thing she wants to pull up is night terror neck brace. Oh God. I love that one. So she, yes, yes. You should be celebrating that. So when she pulled it up, I was like, Oh, that's good. You're going to start with that one. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, what's so funny, Donnie is like that. I got this impression when I watched it. Of course I was crying. I was like laughing so hard, but I like, you know, kind of guiltily laughed at first. And then I was like, okay, this is freaking funny. And then, but I was about around a bunch of my military buds. Like we're watching it. And some of my former like college athlete buddies, and they were laughing. And then we brought her in, and she turned it on. I was like, "Okay, well here it is." And she starts watching it, dude. She was crying, laughing so hard. And I was like, "Man, civilians get this more than we think they sure. do. Like they definitely get that." And the thing is, man, we talk about this so often. I hear about it on so many podcasts with comedians nowadays. And you know, I don't know if you watch Dave Chappelle's latest special on Netflix, but he, you know, talks about like the first thing he says is like, "You want to know who's ruining comedy right now?" He's like. All of you are. And he points at the whole audience. He's like, political correctness, you are ruining comedy. All of y'all in this audience right now. And everybody gave him a standing ovation, of course. But political correct, people don't want that, man. They go to comedy to escape, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's an escapism. So for even civilians that might not get that particular experience, to them it's like, oh yeah, you guys are crazy, but this is hilarious. Mm -hmm. She was awoken to that in the moment Mm -hmm. and she found like a real empathy for us and like, oh man, that does suck that you have those night terrors sometimes. Oh wow, they must have been really hurt at some point to be laughing at that. (laughs) (laughs) 
They must have some real issues at home. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, when I see those specials like that and those, you know, like Night Terror Neck Brace and different, you know, skits that you've done since, it's been very impactful for not only our veteran world, but civilians. How did you realize, you know, when you were showing it to the rest of the world, obviously, you know that civilians are going to watch it. How do you how do you turn that into something where you find comfort in, you know, showing it to everybody? Like as far as a overall, you know, arching theme where you're comfortable showing it to civilians? Or is it just I don't care what you think? You know. Uh I would say a heavy dose of I don't care what you think, <laughs> a heavy dose of that. But on the uh, on the other side of that coin, I don't know if I totally understood this in the beginning but now i'm able to articulate it much better we as veterans leaving military service coming into the civilian world we are often misunderstood because civilians have this image of us that comes from the recruiting posters and it's a powerful powerful imagery right that these recruiting posters and recruiting commercials create in the minds of the American public to get people to join. Right. So it's like this imagery is embedded in the, 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 the minds of the American public and they don't want to lose that. Mm. They like that. Right. They like thinking of the American service member like the guy in the poster and in, in, in the commercials. They don't like the idea of us making jokes about terrible tragedy. They don't like that. Right. Because that betrays the image that exists on the posters. Mm, that's interesting. So we 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 know this. We know that civilians have a different expectation of us, which is why, and this is what led to the creation of irreverent warriors, mm. which is why a lot of veterans will just isolate themselves from civilians. Mm. They will separate themselves. They will segregate. They'll create their own divide. Right. Because they think they are not going to accept me because they think I'm something else. Right than what I actually am. And so when I think about, you know, because everything that I do built out of a desire to prevent suicide. Right. Right. Initially. Even the book. I, the book. Yeah. Right. right. So th the book was just supposed to be comedy. I just want to make people laugh. Yeah. But my buddy smoked himself right before publishing. Right. So now I'm thinking about suicide, doing research. And, oh, wow. This is a big deal. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because when you're in, you don't give a about veteran suicide, right? You're active duty. <laughs> you're not thinking about it, yeah. Especially in in a, in a in a victory unit deploying to combat, you know, these losers doing killing themselves right, for man. Yeah. Like we need uh, guns in the fight. So then after that, I'm awoken to this whole suicide thing. I'm like, oh wow, I should bring some attention to this issue and talk about prevention. Mm -hmm. And everything since then has been guided towards that. If my buddy hadn't smoked himself going to publish my book, I I don't think I would have started this. I would have gone and, and towards Happy Madison, yeah, not the military Happy Madison, right? But because of that, that pulled me in that direction. I don't know. I don't. I don't like to say pulled. I make my own choices. I chose to go in that direction because I knew this is a community that I could provide. I could add value here, right? Um, and so I'm looking at all these issues that exist within the veteran community that ultimately lead to suicide. Right. It's all poor mental health. Mm. And as I walk it backwards, I'm like, as soon as these guys leave this tight-knit community in the military, guys and girls, they're now in this larger world where they don't feel understood. Right. They don't, they don't feel seen, heard, and especially not understood. 
and it's intimidating. So they ostracize themselves. Just think of how many veterans are like, oh, man, I tried going to college. I couldn't listen to all those little stupid college kids and blah, blah, blah. Like, Dumb liberal professors. Yeah. You know? So they, right. they, they purposely step out of that. And then they're at work in the workplace and they're, you know, the, they, they feel like they can't relate to anybody at work. Right. And then at home with the family. Sometimes a lot of these poor bastards, they married the wrong chick at 19. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. So that happens. Know, and for, for whatever reason, I, it, it's so annoying. These guys are, are are in households who where there's no understanding of them. Right. They still, ten years later, the wife doesn't understand him and accept him for who he is. Got one of my buddies. He's just like he can't joke around his own wife. And then when he finally gets out of the house, he's like a dog just just got out of his cage. Yeah. And then you know, then he's drinking heavy and he's doing what he shouldn't be doing, and right. it's just like. Miserable way to live. It's a way to live, man. Yeah, yeah. Your family should accept you. Right. And if they don't, throw them in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. No, no, no. This is another, this is another show. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. <Johnny's> right. <laughs> so, um, so it's like this lack of, of, of understanding mm-hmm. is also a lack of acceptance. Right. Which leads to isolation. Mm. Isolation then... Is, is the one common denominator. I don't have any data on this. Right. I just know, because I just know so many people who've smoked themselves. Right. And I can't say I knew them all that well, but through the Silky's hikes and my, you know, I'm very involved in our community. Right. So it's just like the numbers, the tally's going up. And the one thing that I've seen in common is that they're all socially isolated before they do it. Yeah. Whether it's for a couple days or a couple months. Yeah. And so I got to, th- it just makes sense. If you can reduce social isolation you can reduce suicide how do you reduce social isolation you increase acceptance and understanding Mm -hmm. so by putting out to the world this is exactly who we are yeah this is exactly what we laugh at this is the way our brains work sometimes this is the way we dealt with our experiences in these shows where we we do immense research to recreate this, these worlds, these military worlds, this BAS, this army admin shop, this army MPs, recreated accurately. We could sh- if, if the world sees this is who we are, well, they might not like it at first. They might be rubbed wrong. They might have this different impression. They might come out and say we're doing something bad. But the reality is we will never have a complete integration into American society until we are accepted for exactly who the f- we are. Mm. Veteran television is... In, in my opinion, leading that charge. Awesome. We put out there exactly who we are. Right. And some people choose not to like it at first and choose not to accept it. But if you actually care about the veterans like everyone likes to talk about it, then I, I like to think that if they approach watching our stuff with a curiosity and a desire to understand why, why are we like that, that will improve... Um, Acceptance, understanding, reduce social isolation, and reduce suicide. And the important element here, obviously, is humor. Mm-hmm. It's so therapeutic. I mean, I think back to even the simplest things like Robin Williams and like Patch Adams, you know, like in the in the hospital beds, like making kids laugh like that is actually can be physically healing for guys. You know, it's not only mentally, emotionally healing, but obviously there is a correlation from the mental and the emotional side to physical health. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing by making guys laugh is kind of bringing them out of social isolation Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and realizing like, hey, I do have a future. 
future. Like there are things that I can do beyond this. I can be creative. I can laugh. I can say some of my jokes. You know, maybe they're not accepted and that's okay. That's just what it is. Comedy, you know, is very much nowadays I feel like under attack, obviously, from the PC crowd um, and people who aren't, you know, accepting of those things. But you've kind of you know, pioneered the model in this world of putting it out there and saying, Hey, I don't care what you think, bro. This is it. This is what I'm going to show. And I'm going to show it regardless of your feelings. Like, you know, and so that element of in therapy and humor, you know, kind of, I think back to that quote where you talked about, you know, back to social isolation, but in the project, you were talking about how veterans who socially isolate themselves, they don't often hurt others. Mm-hmm. they hurt themselves mm-hmm. because they join the whole reason they join. And your quote was very powerful and a lot of people loved it, but your quote about protecting, you know, pr- protecting the herd, protecting your tribe. That is why veterans join in the first place. So they're only going to self harm, but they need to be pulled out of social isolation in order to heal themselves. Mm-hmm. And your comedy is therapeutic in that way. How important has comedy been to you throughout your life in, in, in not only starting this, but, you know, growing up? You come from a big family, obviously. Mm-hmm. How, how important has humor been to you your whole life? Because you do stand-up as well, or you did mm-hmm. for a while, and you were really good, actually, mm-hmm. and I kind of missed that. Thank um, you. Yeah. I, love, I, I think it's the last raw. time we saw each other, we're like, yeah, it's very raw. <laughs> it's funny when you get the guy there that's, like, super serious, and he's next to you, and he's like... And he's like, and you you look at him, and he's like, "Ah, this is dark." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in all reality, like everybody in the crowd thinks it's hilarious. Some may laugh a little differently, but it's it's true that that humor is therapeutic in the moment. You know, how important has that been to you? Um, I would say I I I think I experience life differently than most. Yeah. I experience everything comedically. The higher the stress, the higher the danger, the higher the um, the intensity or the serious, the more serious the moment in general, um, the more I see it with a sense of humor. And um, I don't think this is something that I developed because I've had it ever since I was a kid mm. and it's because of my family. Yeah. Coming from this huge Irish Catholic family that is, and I appreciate it more and more as I get older and as I do this job and I realize every bit of my comedy comes from my family. Mm. Everything. Everything. And especially the more I talk to one of my cousins, cousin Chris Williams, um, and I, 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 I see and I hear so much of me in him Yeah, when I talk to him and see him. And I'm just like, I'm not doing anything new. I'm nowhere close to the funniest guy in my family. <laughs> I'm just the one that had the nuts and the drive to bring it on to the screen. Right. And to make a living doing it. Yeah. But I've been surrounded by unbelievably talented comedians and storytellers my entire life. Mm. Come from a family of very good communicators, which I, I, I didn't awesome. realize that until, until later on. You know, and no, it's, it, the family is, you know, it's blue collar. Right. Irish Catholic, yet every it, it's when I listen to them speak, and I listen to some of these fucking veterans speak, I'm like, wow, I was blessed with really good communicators. Yeah, 
and um, and even and storytellers. And I and you know a lot of my cousins are these big giant dudes with with accents so thick it's hard to understand what they're saying. And you know they were all big fighters and boxers and stuff. And but as soon as they start telling a story, they're acting out six different characters in the middle of the story, <laughs> and they're very animated and very expressive. And I'm seeing it now, and I'm like, that's where I get it from, <laughs> from all of them. That's awesome. So I, it has always been within me. Yeah. And it has always been in second nature. We never thought of it. We never thought of it as like something crazy, you know? Like we have a lot of funerals. Yeah. Way too many, yeah. actually, recently. And uh, and uh, at every funeral, we're placing bets on who's the next to die. <laughs> I think you had a quote about that yeah, in the project, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like, and 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 mind you, this is also in a family. I, I I never once, to date, I have I have I've asked around. I haven't heard of one instance of abuse in the family, right? Abuse or neglect. Yeah, I'm talking. I come from the most loving, freaking people. Yeah, that I could have ever asked for. L- truly loving people. Like nobody, nobody uh, grew up and got married and and you know. Uh, became a, a workaholic. Right. They grew up and they became a dadaholic and a momaholic. Cool. Their only desire in life was to raise family. Yeah. Every generation after generation. All they want to do is raise a good family. Raise a good family. They you know, that's why I see these veterans. They they got a long work day and then they're going to the gym and then they're hanging out with a buddy and then they're coming home. And on the weekends they're going to hang out with friends and stuff. And it's like my family never did. No one in the family did that. No, it was my just neither. like you go straight home, mm-hmm. and you go hang out with the family. Yep. You have dinner together as a family. Every weekend is a new trip to the park, to the lake, to the museum, to something. That's right. and I, I'm I'm talking. There was my great grandparents had ten kids. Wow. All of them had three. A bunch of them had five, and then a bunch of them. The, those kids had five. It's huge. Yeah. All that matters in the in our family is family. Um, very few of them pursued careers that that became priority. Very few. They all just took jobs that enabled them to provide for the family. Uh, and so within this environment, we have this unbelievably dark humor. <sighs> and I, I think part of a personal mission is to show the world that you can have an incredibly dark sense of humor and not be a terrible person as a lot of people would like to paint us. Yeah. And that gets very frustrating when people see my dark humor and they're just assume I'm this terrible person. Yeah. Does that happen a lot? Um, no. No. Not a lot. Yeah. It's just happened enough times that just really rubbed my vagina in just the wrong way where I it still stings. Yeah. I mean, and I haven't even I, I can't even tell you the last time it happened. Right. Um, but it's happened enough times and for for me to know that it's it, it is the thing, yeah, and um and it is uh and it is frustrating, and so I, I want to show the world, um no, yeah, that this is comedy is is a coping mechanism for pain, suffering, tragedy, and trauma. Yeah, that's what this is. That's why we do it. That's why at my my family funerals, as we're literally dripping tears <laughs> together, yeah, in a standing in a circle, bunch of you know. Old Irish and Italian guys standing around. Someone will make a joke about the 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 dead family member or the next to die, and that laughter pushes us through the tears. Right, that's amazing. 
You know, I I um think about you know your project and like you said, there's this kind of misperception in a way when that happens, you know, about you and because and that dark humor and what that leads to, um, you know, whether it's you know civilian or veteran thinking, oh yeah, you know Donnie, he's not a good dude or you know I don't like that humor or whatever. That perception, you know, when I covered you for the project, I remember going out on the hike in Austin. Mm that reverent warrior silky hike and what i was struck by so much was your kindness and generosity in the moments even you know simple stuff like hey tim where are you staying man you can sleep on the floor up here or whatever you know you got a spot and immediately i just met you you know you didn't know me from adam you know you could have easily just been like all right camera guy get to the back you know take some good shots of me walking and you know make sure my abs are popping you know so, you know like so get those, ang- get those angles right bro get, yeah if you don't get those angles right you don't have a project don't publish that book yeah. Hey, we're going to have to X this project, bro. Come back next year when you're good. <laughs> but, you know, like me as an artist, I'm coming into the circle with different veterans every time. And obviously, I'm struck by the humility by most guys. But you were very humble and generous and kind. And it was kind of, I didn't really have a perception of you because I knew all the guys that I dealt with in the past were pretty good dudes. Mm. So I kind of knew that, that that was the status quo. Mm. But also, you know, there is that perception when you see all that dark humor. You're wondering, all right, who is this guy, you know? Mm. So, like, I was struck in those moments by your kindness. And for those of you that don't know Donnie, he is a good dude, like a very good guy. Fun to be around. Thank you. You're welcome. This I was is, raised well. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, you know. And so those moments for me were really awesome because I got to see you throughout the course of that day and got to see how much people looked up to you along the hike. And, you know, and, and a lot of guys, a lot of people didn't even necessarily know that you had started these things, you know, mm. that you were the one who led it. I'd be like, oh, yeah, Donnie's here. And they'd be like, Donnie. And I was like, yeah, he's the one who started the Silky Sykes. They'd be like, what? <laughs> really? Like, But it wasn't about you. You created a culture of coming together, something where you could walk along, look ridiculous, feel ridiculous, and still be accepted. Be accepted. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He did bring it back. So that acceptance was awesome. Now, with the Silky Sykes, was that the goal? Were you trying to increase that community? Was that the whole goal of it? Um, yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. The, yeah. the the initial thought it came from when I was in Wounded Warrior Battalion, and I I always uh, have to say I was not uh, hit by enemy fire. Yeah. Um. I just I'm a weak little bit. <laughs> break far too. <laughs> Mister Glass. Mister Gla- Glass. Man, I'm made of balsa wood. <laughs> and um. So uh, while I was in Wounded Warrior Battalion, I noticed that all of the dudes who were combat wounded socially isolated themselves they segregated themselves they only hung out with each other and no one else and then i had a few experiences with these guys with just them in a room laughing hysterically being themselves yeah uh like doing wacky shit Mm -hmm. and and i remember seeing them laugh together it's a specific moment one dude in a wheelchair he pushed another guy out of his, his wheelchair so he falls back onto his back and then he jumps and this guy's got no legs and he jumps onto his face and he's humping his face into the ground but not just like play humping like he is his little stubs on the ground is is crushing this guy's face into the floor and I'm listening to his head thud and then a couple of the other guys who are you know they're missing limbs and eyes and shit they're they're holding the guy on the ground who's getting his head smashed and they're holding his arms down and he's like (laughs) and everyone's like yeah his face his face 
And then everyone just fell to the ground in laughter that like they couldn't, nobody could breathe tears. And I remember seeing in that moment, I was like, that's therapeutic. Mm. It's this epiphany I had. Yeah. And I thought, wow. And I also thought these guys remind me of me and my buddies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just take a next level. And I remember thinking, uh, wow, I really wish I could create, recreate an environment like this for them again. I've always, my, my, I'm coming from my family. My family creates experiences for us. And within these family experiences, we are able to have these incredible times of joy and laughter and love and exuberance that you never forget. Right. We, lo- we look back our whole lives, all these great things that we had. Every Thanksgiving dinner is an amazing experience. Every Christmas dinner, Easter, um, family trips, what, you name it. So I was, I've been trained by my parents to create amazing experiences where everyone feels really good, feels loved, and there's always nonstop laughter. So, I so it been, almost comes in a place of familial connection, like you're going 100%, back to your family. Yeah. 100%. And I have been doing that for my friends since I was 17. Went through this experience when I was, I was really, really shy and insecure, intimidated, bullied. Pushed through that on the other side. I finally became the person that I wanted to be and, and that I should be. And since then, I have been creating experiences for my friends. Started with my, my guys in high school, then I, in college, joined a fraternity. Non, it's literally my job to create experiences for all these guys. Yeah. Um, and then after that, then um, in the working world, until I joined the Marine Corps, I had all, I'm bringing my friends from high school together with my friends from college, with my new friends who are all personal trainers and teachers, bringing everyone together, having amazing experiences people still talk about to this day. I'm still friends with everybody. So I just took the same thing I've been doing and brought it to the veteran community, recreating those emotions. Because I'm just like, with just some, some solid thought, you can choose what emotions you want and have those things recreated without a single drug. And that's a powerful thing. We all have the power to do that. The Silky's Hike is an example. Every leader, every city has its own leader who does exactly that. They create this event that produces all of these chemicals and all these people that turns into this very memorable experience that pulls people out of depression, that makes them feel good, improves sense of self-worth and value because now there are other people who are happy to see them. The people they are walking by are clapping, value, right? It all comes down to self-worth. If you have higher self-worth, probably less likely to kill yourself. So all of these good things are happening and then friendships are being made. And all of this is happening through that hike's uh, city leader. The, co- the, the coordinator or coordinators of each hike, they are recreating those experiences. And it just took creating a, a formula and a process for which I have done my whole life, not my whole life since I was 17, but my parents have always done, putting that into a process and handing that process. Or no, I, actually, I just put it out to the world in a, in a Facebook, in a, in a blog post, actually. And that blog post got around and it told, it said, this is how to create a Silky Psych. And that was what led to the creation of the Silky Psych, which I then incorporated as a nonprofit um, in order to manage these hikes across the country and make sure that that the mission stayed appropriate, that right. the intent was there, that people weren't making money off it, that, that they were run safely. I don't want, I know there's a lot of booze involved. At least there's less booze now than there, than there ever was. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because it's, it's, it, booze creates so many problems. It does, yeah. You think of the, the problems that alcohol creates in society. Oh, yeah. You have people complaining about the problems guns are creating. It's like, if the issue is to stop death, how about you look at booze? It's creating four yeah. times as many deaths as guns. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, come on. It's just, common yeah. sense to me. Right. It is common sense. So we're trying to reduce the amount of alcohol 
that is being consumed at these things by just talking through the message of, guys, if you're blackout drinking, you're missing the whole fucking point, <laughs> right? Right. Like tone it down. You can still have just as an amazing of a time, but remember it mm. and do it safely. Yeah. And remember the friends that you made, connections that you made at this event. And overall, the events are safer and have a lot more value to people's lives. So the the decrease in alcohol has been phenomenal for our organization. You know what? I'm really glad that you pointed that out because one thing I've noticed with a lot of these nonprofit, and I won't, you know, obviously name any names. Um, this isn't that type of podcast, but <laughs> that'll be my vlog. Yeah, <laughs> we're actually <laughs> going to list every organization that does this. Um, but you know, one thing I've noticed about the nonprofits space in, amongst the veteran world is a lot of these organizations center their meetings around alcohol at such and such bar, and we're going to have this sponsor that's a brewery or whatever. And it's like, guys. This is part of what's created the issue in our community. I think that is a massive problem. problem. Yeah. And you've noticed it. Totally. I mean, mean, let's be real here. The whole, I think a big part of the reason why the nonprofit took off was because it was so simple. Let's just get together and have a good time. Yeah. That's it. Right. So what's a good time for for your typical veterans going to a bar? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, So remember, I, I never envisioned this in the beginning. I just held one event. To bring people together, and now it's massive. Now it's massive. Now I we're we're, we're probably at uh, I don't know. Last count was forty three thousand veterans been in our events, but that last count was a, I want to say a year and a half ago. Right. So it's 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 probably coming up on fifty thousand. Probably. Wow. Right. And, yeah. and this this is done with a very lean organization, very little money, decentralized uh, chain of command. I I don't want to get into nonprofits because I'm it, it it really pisses me off seeing the waste. Right, that goes on. Yeah, we 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 haven't had paid staff, like pure volunteer, and wow. look at the impact. I mean, half half of these nonprofits, like, what is their impact? It's huge. Do they yeah. even have a method of measuring their impact? Mm. Do they even have a eighth grade level mission statement? <laughs> yeah, they don't. Everybody wants to start a nonprofit because it, it seems cool and it's the right thing to do. But and I actually, you know, it's funny. I actually, I just made a video for my vlog, which I'm going to release pretty soon. So. They, I got the editor finally, and I, I'm, 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 you know, I, 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 I have a very abrasive nature of helping. Yeah. Uh, thanks to my father, <laughs> or no thanks to my father, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I like to, you know, I'll, you know, kind of talk, shit, ball bust, be obnoxious, but then be like, all right, let's, ha- how do we actually make a step forward in the right direction here? And, and a big part of what I want to do is and coach other people interested in being in the nonprofit space to, for one, not do it. <laughs> Don't start another one. There's like 45,000 that are nonprofit. Stop. And like 100 for each possibly specific thing. Thing. Yeah. 1,000 for yes. each thing. Yeah. So um, but that's step one. And then step two is if you're going to do it, define the mission. Right. And come up with a means of gauging your efficacy. Mm. And then that's step one. And then step two is actually start helping people. Right. And then ask for money. Right. But don't say you're going to start a nonprofit and then start asking for money. Get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. E- everyone's doing that. Everyone is saying, oh, I'm starting this nonprofit. I'm, I'm, I'm raising money and raising money and raising money. Okay. So you're spending, it sounds like you're spending a lot of time raising money. Mm. But what are you doing to help veterans? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the dark thing within that world being is that, you know, some of that money, and again, not stating, any specific organizations, but the dark thing in that world is 
when you're asking for those funds, you know, it's like so many of these organizations, you're like, but where is your money actually going? And then that can turn into the dark side Thank of, you. that can turn into the dark side of, well, it's it's not. It's it's going straight to that guy's pocketbook. <laughs> you know, we've seen a lot of these organizations that have gotten in trouble lately in these past few years. It's been about that. You know, it didn't start that way. I believe that it started out of good intentions. Totally. But then those funds, you know, started making their ways to these expensive ski vacations or, you know, going to the Alps or whatever. And then all of a sudden you look back on the organizations like, hey, why did we start in the first place again? What are we doing? What's the mission? And I think that points really well to what you were saying about having a mission statement carved out in the beginning and knowing like, okay, my biggest point isn't to have paid staff members or like this massive staff. It's actually to help veterans Mm -hmm. or help within this community. So that's interesting. You know, I was thinking about something you said a minute ago. It kind of like the, amalg- the, the amalgamation of, you know, Vet TV and then Irreverent Warriors and your Silkies hikes. One of the most important things I think, Donnie, about the, the, the coupling of those two and you thinking about, you know, this from very different ways. and very Coupling co- which two? Irreverent Warriors and Vet TV. And okay. not, not saying that they're actually together, but, you know, that you had these two ideas is one of the problems I see in our community is it's like these one and dones, right? Like, well, we're going to bring you in for this one event. You're going to laugh, have fun, and then that's it. That that doesn't heal. That's not what creates the healing process. Like, maybe that makes a guy aware of, oh, I do actually need help, or I do actually need to, you know, seek out some assistance. But that actual event, that one-timer event doesn't, create change right like you've created something with silky sykes where there's a community there mm-hmm. and guys feel comfortable in reaching out to each other and then vet tv is a continuation of that where you don't have to actually be there with those veterans but you can create something that's on their tv screens and they can actually watch and feel a sense of community through it by mm-hmm. watching humor so I, i've thought it's interesting how you've you know has, was that an active thought process for you was like i really don't want to create these one and dones i want to make sure that we're continually helping in continually creating humor? Yes, because some people said exactly what you just said. And I think I read a comment, something like that. And it was like, you know, you know, what do you what do you guys actually do when you're just coming together and partying? And that's it? And it's preventing suicide? And uh, and the bigger your organization gets, the more you're going to see comments like that, of course. Sure. Well, actually, this was a long time ago. Oh, wow. Really? I, this, I, this was probably three years ago because I heard that. And it stung, and I thought, guy's got a f-ing point. <laughs> me. Okay. He's right. <laughs> so, what do I do? Right. What's the next step? And the next step was, and my dad was a big part of this conversation, building community. It was, and it became so simple because the sense of community improves belonging and acceptance. The tribe can still exist um, when you get out of the military if you, if you want it to. And, uh, and so it was, it was an active thought process to make sure that what we were doing lasted, was, was much more valuable than just that one event. And, um, and I like to think that we have succeeded in, in making it more valuable than that. You know, we have this like pre-hike brief that's, that's given now that we're improving it more and more. We're actually going to turn it into a video. We just had a, a little retreat here in my place in San Diego with uh, some of our leadership recently. It's a, a half-year retreat. Our big retreat's in, in January at the Black Rifle Ranch. Oh, cool. That's in great. Texas, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good time. You're like 10 minutes away from my house. Out oh, there. nice. Yeah. 
It's really close. Um, it's like, nice. You're not invited. <laughs> uh, actually, you should be next time to come document. We'd Dude, love that. That would be awesome. We'd love yeah. for you to be part of that. But uh, we we do a lot of incredible things, getting together the hike coordinators, the leadership from all over the country. We get everyone together, and we kind of at the last one, we just rebuilt the whole nonprofit from the ground up, sorry, mission, vision, and core values, and mm-hmm. then code of conduct. And we developed some a brief to give before the hikes where it's just like, hey, guys, look, this is not about drinking. Uh, it's not just about partying. It's about connecting with others. And re- we reinforce that. Don't leave this thing today without at least three phone numbers of people that you met. Look, bro, if, 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 if you have intentions to do a good thing, consider the importance of connection and community. Right. And make an effort to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's ever gets out of the military and is, is lacking purpose because nobody's handing them a fucking platter of purpose, just tell yourself, my purpose is to bring veterans together. Mm-hmm. And then make a Facebook post, hey guys, come to my house or come meet me at this bar at this time. Uh, come play basketball with me. Let's go shoot hoops. Right. And if your body's all up like like a lot of ours is mm-hmm. well then we'll, we'll we'll play horse for starters and then we'll play what's the free throw game bump we'll play bump next you know and or, or we'll go throw the baseball yeah. or the football just something just get out of the house and do something together with other veterans it's just, it's really that simple mm. so if you're missing purpose go do that just bring a couple of veterans together to do something and all of a sudden you have purpose because you're the one that brought them together mm. it's that simple so within the model of vet tv and what you're doing now and in where you're headed with this as an you know as an organization? Can you talk a little bit about the struggles for you in entrepreneurship? Because a lot of people, we talked about this before the podcast. How much more time do we have? Yeah, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the struggles of an entrepreneur. Come on, <laughs> this is gonna take six hours. <laughs> Let me just talk through the six times I considered killing myself <laughs> since starting this business. <laughs> By the way, uh, for those of you that are having suicidal thoughts, do not start a business. Oh, yeah. Do not become an entrepreneur. (laughs) The biggest way to save yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, true. Trust me. Off of the Veterans Project, I've had some dark, deep, 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 dark thoughts. Yes. What has been, what would be your message? Because a lot of people see you as successful in this community and what you're doing. It's a facade. It's a facade. I'm an actor. <laughs> but but it's true, man. It is true. Like, I have people tell me all the time, yeah, Donnie's killing it, man. He's just, he's living his dream. He's out there. He's getting after it. He found his purpose, and he's killing it. He makes me laugh all the time. He makes me cry. I watch his shows, and they're hilarious. They're really dark, but they're awesome, and I love him. And Thank I see you that. to those who say that. That <laughs> yeah. makes me feel really good. I just, if you were in our last leadership meeting two hours before you got here, <laughs> you wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> Donnie's killing it. Yeah, he's, kill, he's banging his head against the wall. <laughs> but his, you know, what what about that, man? I mean, because, you know, I want people to know the struggle of it because when they see that and they see that struggle, it's important because a lot of guys just think, well, I could never do that. Like, you know, Donnie's just really good at this. He's making it. And I could never start my own company. I could never do that. He's just really good at it. It. What would you say to them about some of the struggles you've had in this? First thing I would do is I would slap them right across the face. <laughs> uh, Wake up! Backhand pimp slap or just regular slap? No, regular, okay, like a regular. loving father slap. Okay, like you needed that. Yeah, you need that. <laughs> <laughs> loving father slap. I like that. Um, 
Although one one time I, I did get a really solid backhand from my dad. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I was at the dinner table, mm. and and me and my my dad's asking me questions. Something you know, family dinner is is big thing, and I I don't remember what I said. I was just like, yeah, bros before hoes, and my dad <laughs> goes like this. <laughs> what did you just say? I said, bros before hoes. Crap! <laughs> Flew out of my chair. Ch- Legs up, <laughs> crack head against the ground. Over the back of the chair. Oh my gosh, man. And he's like, get the f*** up. <laughs> Are you out of your f- bros before hoes? Dude. What f- families did you come from? I remember my dad's, <laughs> that, that made me think of my dad. And like, my dad is from like, was born in Gary, which for those of you that don't know Gary, Indiana, it's a, like, it's where Michael Jackson's from. I've heard that. It's really bad. Huh. They call it Scary Gary. And they say, like, if you're driving to Chicago, like, do not. It doesn't matter if you have four flat tires and your engine is burning. Like, do not pull off into Gary. And, like, <laughs> you've got to be tough. So I grew up with this 6'4", 250-pound guy as my father. <laughs> and he was very loving. Like, he was. But there was definitely, like, I can count my life, like, uh, on, like, two hands, like, how many hugs I got, like, as a kid. <laughs> my dad was just like not emotionally like that and yeah. he was like loving in that he brought home food put it you know brought home food put that on the table took care of my mom and like was always just a good father mm-hmm. that was not his way of showing love but i still remember this time dude i saw that old like old old school blue collar cat you know steel mill you know <laughs> i saw that old side of him i was getting out of my van on the way back from church and I like my mom was like, "You get inside. You need to do your homework." And I was like, "Nah, I'm good." I mean, <laughs> I, I if I if I had said that, yeah, yeah. So I stepped out of the van, and it was like white lightning around the side of the vehicle. I've never seen my dad move that fast. And my dad was an athlete; like he played basketball growing up in that environment. Uh-huh. So you got to be good oh, to go wow. playing in that environment. You know, that's that Larry Bird culture. You know, out there, like true studs. You know, so I, I remember he. I just saw the peripheral vision, like this real quick flash. <laughs> And next thing I know, I felt like I got headbutted. I'm not really sure what he did, but he pulled, <laughs> he pulled like some street move. And I was on my back quicker than, I, I don't know. I was just, I, it was nighttime. I couldn't see very well. <laughs> could have been a roundhouse, could have been, been an elbow, could have been, been a headbutt. Could have been anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I look up and dude, like he, he jumps on top of me and just starts wailing on me. Right? Oh, yeah. I was about 17. I just joined the military and was getting ready to ship off the basic. I thought I evidently had already gone through army training, which probably would not have even helped me in that scenario. But, like, I was on my back. I thought I was a man. Man, oh, my gosh. And just so so then I get up and I push him. Oof. Why would you do that? I pushed him in the chest. Oof. Yeah. Just laid me out. Yeah. And that, I just remember seeing stars. And, that was it. <laughs> and he said, he said... He said, you want to be a man? I'll show you what a man is. He's like, get up, clean yourself up, do your homework. He goes, and don't talk. I don't want to hear one word out of your mouth yeah. the whole rest of the night. But that, that made me think about that. My dad's going to hear that story. He's going to be like horrified. He's like, that never happened, son. Oh, my God. My dad, nowadays, when, he, when, when me and my brother brought up the times, he gave us a good crack. Yeah. He's just like... I don't want to hear that. <laughs> no, isn't that funny how that works now? It's like they got into full grandpa mode. Like he, he just goes, I, I have one 
thing in life that I regret. I've got a full life. <laughs> I regret putting my hands on my children. Yeah. Don't remind me. Yeah, yeah. My dad definitely is the same way. Like he'll be like, I was a nice father. And it's like, well, not in that moment, you were not. But um he was an amazing father. But you know, I don't even remember what I was getting to, but I think the humor side of you know I think vet TV and like your entrepreneurial struggles. Oh, okay. Here we like go. Here within we go. that, yeah. So we're talking about the struggle of of an entrepreneur and and how and how you're able to do it. Yes. Something like that. Okay, so Oh no! What would you say to guys? Yeah, yeah. Who who said? Oh yeah, Donnie's just really good at this. Right. And he can do it for all these other reasons other than insane work ethic. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I've noticed is a lot of military people, consequently veterans, mm-hmm. don't have work ethic, which is crazy, right? No, it's a government job. <laughs> you can do the bare. F- minimum mm. and continue being promoted for 30 years you see that a lot in the army a lot of slick Every sleeves a lot of slick sleeves what we call slick sleeves because you know in the army no combat patch you see it and they're like an e8 or something in an infantry unit and you're like wait what yeah. how did that happen you've been in for 20 years and you never deployed to combat mm-hmm. like wow you've slipped the stream there like yeah. for sure government government i mean th- there's a reason why Government work has that mentality. And I'm talking every facet of, of government work, or not that, that mentality, that stereotype. Right. It's because the, the, the system facilitates bare minimums. And, and that's it's just another f- vote for fucking capitalism, who I don't, <laughs> I don't need to preach that to your audience, right. I don't think. No. But um, work ethic. Yeah. That's it. Mm. I am one of the hardest workers that I know. And awesome. it's it's funny because like nowadays I don't work nearly as hard as I did in the beginning. In the beginning, it was unhealthy. I mean, I'm talking 80, 100 hour weeks. You're almost spinning your wheels in a lot of ways, right? Consistently, yeah. Eighty to hundred hour weeks, yeah. completely disconnected from my social network. Mm. And going back to my point before of of uh, you know wh- who I was to my friends, I was the one that brought everyone together. The most important thing in the world to me was. The next party I was throwing for my friends. Social was everything. My social urges drove, I I mean, 80% of my thoughts, even throughout college. Even Marine Corps, I would say it was less. It was was, was probably 20, 25. But it was still throwing parties for my friends once a month when I was in the Marine Corps. And that's not true. In the beginning, I was. In training, maybe. Then when I started deploying, obviously not. But... The social desires, you know, it's just like how many people get off work and uh, you're immediately on social media. You get off work and you go in a happy hour. You get off work and you got a dinner. You got your friends over here. Uh, you got a dinner you go to on Monday. You got a birthday party on Wednesday. You got a, or maybe um, your happy hours on, on Wednesday nights and then your Thursdays. You got this, you got a date with your wife. You got this thing with your kids. And then on Friday, and then the weekends, well, the weekends are for, for play. You got the concert that you're going to and this and that and the other thing. And it's just like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, get that shit that the fuck out of your head. Entrepreneurship is sacrifice. Sacrifice everything that you believe to be fun. Anything that could be considered recreation, get it the fuck out. You know what's funny is... I'm really glad you said that because just even a minute ago, I was talking to my assistant and I brought her into a conversation. I said, 
well, I've got this one other veteran over here, but I might have to wait an extra day. And I'm headed to Arizona next, and I'm going to go to North Carolina. I'm driving all the way across the country to cover another veteran. This is like... I need to get out there. Uh, but, you know, I really want to have a day in between, you know, this drive. So maybe I'll just like, you know, go to San Clemente or whatever, spend some time at the beach after. And Leslie, to credit her, she's awesome at like pushing me into this, you know, drive, which I love and the, that passion. She goes, so so why aren't you covering that other veteran for the podcast? And I go, well, I was going to like. <laughs> she was like, you were going to take a beach day. Oh, wow. <laughs> she's calling you out. She's yeah, driving civilian. you. That's driving great. Driving me. Yeah, right there. And she's like, this is why you're out there. You're not in California to go chill by the beach, boy. You are supposed to be working. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You know, and, and it's funny. It's like, you don't have to push me in this work. I love what I do, as you know. I have that passion for it. But even in those, those small reminders really help, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I am here for that. That's the importance of the work. So that work ethic, that passion, that drive that you've shown within this, I mean, you're talking about 80 to 100 hour weeks. A lot of guys picture the parties, the soirees, you know, going out, drinking, having fun. I never go out. <laughs> <Yeah>. Ever. <laughs> I but isn't that never. true? Isn't that true? What people would think when they think of entrepreneurs? Oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to have a lot more time on my hands this now. This one f- messaged me on Instagram. And he said, hey, bro, just want to say I think it's really f- that guys like you and Matt Bess are out there having a good f- time, just loving everything, living the f- high, the lifestyles of the rich and famous while we're out here struggling. And I had zero compassion for this motherfucker. <laughs> I I sent him video responses. Oh, dang. And I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? Dude. That's when like, you know you're serious. I was like, I don't take a salary, mother. Yeah. It was his then. I take one now. But I'm, yeah. the, I'm the lowest paid person in my company. I'm like, I, I, I don't take a salary. Mm. I put my life savings into this. And, and, and the, you know why I was able to start it? Because a lot of people say, oh, there's that. Because I knew how to save my money. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like we all make choices. Right? Even my civilian friends are just like... Well, you know, you had all that money from deploying because I made a choice to join the Marine Infantry in a time of war. It was a fucking choice Which I made, and that crazy. choice <laughs> put money in my bank account, yeah. and then I made the choice to save half of it. Choices. Choices. And then I made the choice, once I was out, to keep it saved until it was. I, it, I, I was making a decision to pursue my life's dream, and at which time I made the choice to burn all the fucking ships and dump every penny of my life savings into this business. Yeah. Choices, buddy. Yes. I choose never to go out. I disc all those, my, those friend events and shit. Every night of the week, I've got all my friends from high school, fraternity in San Diego State. I still talk to all my frat buddies, all the girls uh, from the sororities that I made friends with. I, I've been to their weddings and their baby showers and shit. The people I personal trained with, everybody. And Facebook was a constant influx of invites to social events that truly made my heart happy. Yes. I love my friends. And I completely disconnected. Mm. I told every single one of them, hey, guys, I'm really sorry, but stop inviting me. Because I don't even want the thought of that event distracting me from whatever the fuck it is that I got to work on for the business I have uh, committed to. Right. And first it was a nonprofit. The nonprofit also doing 80 hour weeks. So in the business, it was 100 hour weeks. And it got unhealthy. Yeah. And I've heard Evan Hafer talk about his unhealthy work ethic the first few years of the biz where his doctor had to tell him, hey, you need to stop or you're going to die. I didn't have a doctor tell me that. 
I just realized I was, you know, what, you know what I came down to? I realized that I was having more and more shit talked about me by my employees because I was such a asshole at work every day. Mm, wow. Because here it is. I started this thing. Everyone thinks I'm living my dream. Mm -hmm. But yet the people who spend the most time with me, who are my, my staff, they're like, they don't like this guy. Isn't that shit? That is, yeah. It has brought me to tears on so many occasions. Wow. I'd be careful not to, to well up too much right now, but that was one of the most miserably eye-opening experiences for me as an entrepreneur yeah. was that I'm living my dream. This is the company I dream of. I'm a professional writer, director, producer, and actor, and I'm so miserable that I'm making everyone around me miserable. Wow. It's like, wow, something's got to fucking change here. Yeah. And so what changed? Um, what changed was I had to I had to take a look at I had to consider other people's feelings more because I came into this with this kind of Steve Jobsish mentality, with this hard Marine officer battalion commander yeah. mentality of just holding people accountable and and just getting the fucking job done. You know, it's mission first, troop second. I didn't even have time for troops in this business because this business. You know, since the beginning, is I, I put all my money into it, and then the business was still running out of cash before making payroll. I had to borrow money to make payroll a couple of times. Wow. And, you know, I had, to, I had to tell my people, hey, I'm really sorry. This is a couple of Christmases ago. I might not be able to make payroll. Mm. On the 15th of December, <laughs> when you got to buy your kids fucking Christmas presents. No wonder they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> and That's tough. The, the pain yeah. there. And then, and then in the in the meanwhile, while I'm telling them that, I'm like, "Yo, hey man, we got this deadline. We got to do this. We got to do this. No, we can't leave yet, man. The job's not done. You've been working 12 hours, but the job's not done. Driving, 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 and 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 never celebrating wins. That's another thing I've I've also just learned very recently was that like there's no gratitude here because there's so many fucking deadlines. Yeah, yeah. It's just like as soon as someone does something, we make television. Right. We take these concepts that exist in our head, we bring them to paper, and we put them on the fucking screen. We are a living example every six weeks that you can make your dreams reality because we do it every six weeks. It's in what the people in this company do is nothing short of completely remarkable. And it is a constant reminder that you can do anything that you set your mind to and you can make your dreams come true if you're willing to pay the price. Right, yeah, and that's a big part of it. And that sacrifice is the price. Sacrifice all of these other things in life yeah. that you enjoy for the profession that should give you joy. But it's got so much work and not enough gratitude. It's not bringing enough joy, right? Like our directors are bringing these beautiful things to the f***ing screen and we're not having a party for them here in the office. Because we don't have the time for a f***ing party because everyone's working 10, 10, 12 hours and I'm too afraid of making people be in the office after that. So now I'm, I'm, I've just made a decision recently. We're going to start having celebratory parties in the office mm. during the workday. We're not going to be drinking. Yeah, right. I'm very fortunate. This company is we not not many heavy drinkers. Actually, there are no heavy drinkers in the company anymore. Wow. We're all pot smokers. <laughs> um, and and even then, it's just like we reserve pot to to celebrate after we've gotten the work done. I'm very proud of that because I I really do. I I come from an alcoholic family, and the the, the cancer that alcohol has brought to my family and, and to 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 my life in general. That's why I stopped drinking. Right. I don't drink anymore. Wow. Why? Because 95% of the times I have gotten hurt, in trouble, or let someone down under the influence of alcohol. Mm, wow. What a message. So it's like, at what point do you finally learn from your fucking mistakes, guys? Yeah.
You know, like, let's get drunk and make bad decisions. Yeah, until you're like 21, 22, and then you should stop that. Yeah, right. <laughs> the guys are still doing it into their 30s. Yeah, yeah. Well, longer than that, man. More, yeah. yeah, give me their whole lives. Yeah. And it's just like, what? It, it's it's the definition of insanity, right? You may keep doing the same thing, right. getting the same result. Yeah. You're, 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 you're drinking heavy. You know, that's why we, I, I just saw something that pissed me off about Hunter Thompson glamorizing him. He's a fucking drunk asshole. <laughs> there are plenty of people who have created beautiful, brilliant, intelligent, culture-shifting art. Like Norman Lear. Yeah. Guy changed American fucking culture. He didn't, he didn't need the bottle. <laughs> great, no. great shit. Well, look at even look at you know I'm a writer and I'm big you know a lover in a stimming way, but look at him, man. Look at the yeah. look at the embarrassing photos of him hanging out in like Havana and stuff. Like you'll see photos out there in Google Images, like dude, that's part of your legacy. Like that's embarrassing. Like, and and but we as a culture we glamorize we that. We do glamorize the that. alcoholic yeah. writer, right? Yeah. Get the- Beautiful. No, Ernest Hemingway was miserable. Like till the day he died. I mean, he was very miserable. Sure, he wrote great stuff. Could he have written great stuff without being a miserable alcoholic? I'm sure. I think all of the other people who have written great stuff who weren't miserable alcoholics are proof that it can be done. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> all, all you need is, is proof. Yeah. I saw the sure. Range 15 guys when they did their Kickstarter. I saw that and I'm like, wow, if they can do it, so can I. Right. It was that simple. Yeah. Every step in, in my entrepreneurial journey, I'm just like, well, someone else has done it, so I know for a fact I can too. And here, and here here's the message that I really want to communicate to all these who, who say that, oh, Donnie's just good at it. I used to be, and I still look at myself this way sometimes, um, I used to think I was dumb. I used to think I just wasn't that smart. Like my SATs, I want to say the first time I did them, I was like 1050. And then I took a class, a Kaplan, the best class you can take. I got up to like 1200 at, at one one test. No, no, it was like 11 something. And But then when I finally actually came and did the test on the day, I ended up getting a low 11s. I'm not that in naturally genetically smart as a person and i never have been i've never been organized i've never been disciplined i've always been the opposite of my dad my dad's been one of the most disciplined and organized people i've known in my life as i'm able to achieve success and and make dreams reality i realized it all comes down to discipline and organization and i never had it my whole life i was one of the biggest cluster that i ever knew constantly be i was late to everything i still am late to plenty but I was, there wasn't a single job I wasn't fired for for being late. There wasn't a single person in my life that I didn't let down for forgetting that we had, I had to meet them. Constant. And, and so I had to develop this really cool personality to, to, to make up for all the fucking letting down I did of people because I was just a cluster. Mm. I'm a space cadet. Yeah. Kind of like my mom. I get that my mom's, she's always dreaming. Yeah. She's always talking to herself. And That's me. Yeah. I'm a space cadet. Yeah. Uh, Me too. Pe- yeah. my, my whole life, people people thought that I was high because I'm sitting there like this. No, I'm just daydreaming because <laughs> my imagination is like a f-ing hamster wheel. Yeah. And 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 I I have been able to get to the point that I have because I've been able to identify all of these atrocious habits of mine that constantly brought me two steps back when I was taking three steps forward and finally realize I need to fix these things and and I need to outwork and outthink and think differently and I need to organize my thoughts and I'm and I, I started learning it uh I want to say late late teens if I if I just a little bit of planning a little bit of discipline a little bit of organization thinking differently if I can I put those things together I achieve success every fucking time mm. and I was still fucking it up my whole time I was fraternity president for I was I was voted twice yeah. and I got fired I got fired from being the president. Wow. 
my fraternity. And there have been multiple times in my life to include being a Marine officer and being an entrepreneur when I have felt incompetent. Mm. I felt this crushing, and I, there, I know there's so many people who can relate to this feeling of yeah. just like, I can't do it. I'm not capable of doing that. And I still, as an entrepreneur, in the last six months, I felt that again. I, I, had, that, I had this miserable feeling. And uh, that that reminded me of these other instances in my life when I felt an incompetent. To include one time as a, a as a marine officer, two, two times as a marine officer, actually, a couple times as a marine officer, I felt it once when I was I was fired as a platoon commander. Oh, <laughs> oh I yeah. didn't know that. Oh yeah, rifle platoon commander. I was fired. I was rehired two hours later. Okay. Um, <laughs> Those moments of like pure anger, somebody being mad at you and getting fired, or was it, what led to that? Um, because when I think two hours rehired, I'm thinking, oh, they were really pissed at you in that moment. Uh, nah, there was I, I was I was in the forest. Oh, okay. With my platoon, and uh, um, actually, I don't want to tell the full story okay. <laughs> because I'm worried that it's going to come back uh and lead to a hundred thousand dollar fine that I'm gonna have to pay. Okay. All right. Well we won't tell that then. So we'll we'll withhold that yeah, one. Yeah we'll withhold that one. But um <laughs> I fucked up uh-huh. is what I did. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't make an order clear to my unit and I didn't supervise properly. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get. And and that's why I'm part of what what infuriated me the rest of my career as a Marine officer was was lack of accountability of officers. And and I feel totally justified in wanting to hold other officers accountable because I got fired. <laughs> right. right? I yeah. felt the pain. I fucking, I owned it a hundred percent. Yeah. And then the the, the XO of the battalion XO in BC uh re told my commander, No, you can't fire this guy. Mm. So like I I'm all about Firing motherfuckers, fire them, <laughs> hold them accountable, and and that doesn't happen enough after the rank of captain mm. in the Marine Corps, right? And I, I'm sure the whole the whole military, and uh, so uh, you see a lot of, uh, of 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 resentment towards officers in in Vet TV's films, uh, and rightfully so because that is an emotion that is shared amongst the entire enlisted audience. Yeah, we are right. selling this to. Well, it's really surprising coming from an officer's perspective, though, because people don't expect that. People no. don't expect you to hold your own feet to the fire, you know? No, like, not at all. They're, wait, Donnie was an officer? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's really hard on officers. Oh, totally. You were in the project, like, super hard on officers. And I remember a couple messages I got from, like, you know, hey, tell this douche nugget or whatever that you Marine officers are the best officers in the world. And we lead the world. We lead the universe in best officers. And it's like... <laughs> It's like, well, maybe that's true, but I'm just showing you Donnie's perspective, and it's actually really hilarious to hear it. So. Oh, and by the way, he's an officer. Yeah, he's an officer. Yeah. What? what? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see what uh, what all the people who served under that guy thought of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the other time was when I became a fire support team leader, mm. and my job is to to control a 3D battle space. And you did that in Afghanistan, right? I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. And oh, also when I was an officer doing land nav, I was in every single remedial land nav until the very last one where they're like, if you don't pass this one, you're out, you're going home. <laughs> I hate land nav. And I finally got it. But what happened was, and this is, I think actually, ooh, there's a really cool lesson here. The lesson was, <laughs> you want to master a craft, what do you need to do? You need to keep f-ing doing it. You need your 10,000 hours. Mm. I had more land nav experience than everyone, I think, in, in my TBS company um, because I was in remedial land nav every f-ing Saturday. And you know why? It was because of my attention span. Uh, because what do you do? You, I'm, I'm planning, plotting your 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 points on the map. Right. Piece of cake. 
getting your azimuths all planned out, piece of cake. But then you got to get out there and you take your compass and you got to look at something in the distance and say, okay, that's where I'm walking to. And then you got to keep track of your steps. I take 15 steps. I forget how many steps I've taken. I take 15 steps. I forget what tree I'm supposed to be walking towards. <laughs> I mean, every single fucking time, all of TBS. I know every officer out there has been through this yeah. can can relate at some point to forgetting, oh, wait, what, what thing was I walking towards? And so I kept doing, doing, doing. And then finally, someone was just like, I was just talking. I was so frustrated. And someone, I don't remember who, was just like, dude, stop fucking with the azimuth. They were just like, you're in great shape because I could outrun motherfuckers yeah. uh, all, all day long. And, uh, and they were just like, just use attack points and use the roads. And that's what I did. I started fucking sprinting. I would, I would stopped trying to tr- powering through the bush, the Quantico bush. Yeah. Go up and down creeks and fingers and draws and forgetting stuff, spiders, webs, and lost. And, yeah. Oh my, I remember one time I got so lost and boy, did I feel incompetent at that moment. I was just like, I'm going to be the first fucking lieutenant to be stuck out in here in the middle of God fucking, I was in the middle of like this river valley <laughs> and I had no idea where I was at this point. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get out. Uh, and um, I'm like, what embarrassing. I fucking force of willpower. Yeah. I just started running uh-huh. and I, I found my way out of there. But what I learned was to use the attack points. And then by the time I, I use attack points, my last couple of things, I'm like, it clicked. And then ever since then, when I got to my platoon, I like to think I was better than all my guys in my platoon at land nav. And a couple of them thought that they were super fucking good at land nav. And I was a couple of times I showed them up and like, oh, sir, touche, touche. <laughs> like, um, I got here by sucking, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I learned through doing, through, yeah. through failure, through repetition. Mm. Keep doing. Never fucking stop. The amount of times it's fucking three o'clock in the afternoon in, in the basic school. Yeah. And I have no choice but to keep trying repetition perseverance that's that's entrepreneurship wow banging your head against the fucking wall why aren't these facebook ads working why are we losing subscribers why aren't we gaining as many as we want there's always another thing to try and so i have i have been able to push through feelings of incompetence and push through adversity because of my willpower my willpower has guided everything i have ever done mm. my last semester of college I took 26 units. Wow. Why? Because my father said, if you do not graduate college, and I, I, I took five years. I was trying to be Van Wilder. I didn't want to graduate. <laughs> I, I was the president of my fraternity twice. My reputation on campus was fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere I went, I had buddies everywhere. I'd go to any party. you come to my frat house. It, 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 I, it, college was the, I am forever. And I'm all, all my buddies are so excited forever trying to recreate my college experience yeah because it was that amazing yeah that's what i'm trying to do as an entrepreneur i'm that's why i'm i'm um, i don't like to say my age that's why i'm 30 still living like i'm in college <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh and i hope i will be to my early 40s and then i'll start my family and then be a great dad and husband but until then i'm living the fucking college frat life yeah because yeah. it's the, the the most the most fun time i ever had so um what enabled me to get here and to get through that last semester of college and my dad said don't f- uh don't you dare Pull that bullshit where you go to graduation and you walk, but you don't actually get the certificate. Mm. You know, a lot of people do that. Yeah. Because San Diego State is impacted. You you need a couple more classes before you get the certificate. My dad said, if I don't get a certificate in my fucking hand, I'm not going to talk to you for years Mm. and you're never going to see anything good out of me for a long time. And so I was just like, oh, so my second to last semester, my fifth year of college, I took 19 credits. My last semester, I took 26. That's- That's terrible. 
It's insane. Yeah. And so how did I do it? Well, I, I, I went on ratemyprofessor.com and I found all of the classes for my GE that I could, that I, I could choose professors that had a bunch of options. Right. I chose the easiest professors. I did enormous research before and I talked to everybody I could. Yeah. Back on MySpace, hitting people, hey, what about this professor? What about this one? Do my research. I choose the easiest ones, the ones that don't uh, grade on attendance. Mm-hmm. So I know I can skip some of the classes because yeah. I was double booking myself. I took a class at a community college that a friend of mine was teaching. I never showed up once. He just fucking got me, um, <laughs> got me the grade. Two of my classes, I I was, I, I knew I could pay people to write some of my papers mm-hmm. and to write some of my labs. I think it was for physiology and some sociology. And so I created this massive plan. I was going to have a part-time job to pay people to do some of this work for me wow. so that I could get that f-ing degree and, and and finish with 26 units. That's entrepreneurship right there. That's, on, that, that's willpower. <laughs> that's willpower. That's where yeah. there is a will, there is the way. And the will was there because of the threat from my father. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's all about will. Yeah. And, and you know what? Most people don't have f-ing will, man. Yeah, yeah. Most people have f-ing weak, weak backbones, weak wills. And uh, I think if people actually thought about what it meant to have willpower um what that looks like in Mm -hmm. terms of action that means like it's you've been going for say 14 hours and you got to wake up in five and this person uh like you you had plans to meet with them A, a, a lot of guys it's just like you say you've got a date with your wife at this time girlfriend or your friend or whatever like on on saturday at eight or tuesday at eight whatever the fuck it is and it's just like they they make that deadline they're too afraid to sacrifice that fun because they don't have the willpower. Mm. When you really have willpower, it's like, I don't care what's going on. I am finishing what I I told myself I would finish today. And I'll, I'll, I'll push through a building. I'll move a mountain. I'll lose sleep. I'll have unhealthy amounts of caffeine. I'll... Um, sacrifice fun in relationships. That's a, that's some entrepreneurs sacrifice in relationships. How many entrepreneurs have have wives who at some point tell them, "Hey, it's it's me or the business." Mm. After a couple of years of it, you know how many wives say, "Hey, look, your kids need you," and right. the entrepreneur has a decision to make. It's really hard helping people understand, especially in your family, a lot of times, which is like the ideal family, of course, is like, you know, your wife or husband supporting you in that model and understanding that you're going to have to work those hard years up front in order Mm -hmm. to create that comfortable lifestyle that you seek. But still, there's going to be work after that as well, even when you're successful. I, I see it a lot in guys where their wives or husband is like, hey, listen, I don't know what you're doing here and I don't get it. And you've got this much time to get it done. It's like... There is no pattern for that, Mm. for creating that success. You can't say within a certain deadline, we're going to have the success after two years or three years or four years. So it's like completely unrealistic, you know, the model of that. And then you you understand as a family member, you know, wanting that person to be there, but it's like not understanding that in order to have that comfortable lifestyle that you want, that desire, you know, me not being at work from nine to six or whatever, sitting at a desk. And yeah, maybe I'm able to make Johnny's baseball games or whatever on the weekend, but I'm going to be a miserable wreck when I'm there because I'm thinking about Monday morning Mm -hmm. coming up. In order to create that, we've got to work these first years up front in order to get to what I'm getting. That's it. But then, you know, not propping that up and not supporting that. I mean, that's... That's what love is, man. Like, you know, for me, it's like, I'm not going to go on a tangent about love, but that's sacrifice, you know, is like understanding like, hey, in order to make this level, right, which is what you're doing, probably a large part of the reason you stay single throughout a lot of this is like- 100%. Like, I know that the biggest chance is somebody's going to try to tear me down in what I'm doing. It's going to be really hard to get that support that I need. 
prop this up. And I'm never going to be around, right? Yeah. I've had multiple women I've dated, and I'm talking, I feel fortunate to date every woman I've dated is amazing. Like every guy is like, how the f did you let that go? Yeah. How did you not marry that? And it's because at some point, well, previously, back when I was getting myself into longer term, more committed relationships, every one of the women ended up feeling like shit mm. because she was not a priority in my life. My priority was my business. And no woman entering a relationship with a man she loves wants to feel like she's number two. Yeah, <laughs> true. She wants to be number one ahead of your mom and your dad and your grandma and all that shit. She wants to be number fucking one. Right. And for me, creating the nonprofit and this, it's like they're not number one. The business is number one. So I finally got to the point after, after causing enough pain in women that I was dating and, and, and also pain for myself, developing compassion. I was like... I can't keep doing this to anybody because I don't, I don't care who it is. No woman is going to be number one in my life right now. Because if she is number one, then that means my business is number two. And I've got too many fucking employees whose salaries need to be paid. And we don't have enough cash reserves in the bank. Yeah. And we're too understaffed for this thing to be number two. At this stage, this has to be number one. And that's why my plan is to work like this until my early 40s when I've created massive businesses and machines that don't need me as much. I've already, I'm already kind of getting there now, now that John Acevedo is the president of Vet TV, because when it comes to business, that guy runs circles around me. And it's like the business actually functions better when he creates the plans and, and, and the structure and studies the data, he's making decisions, and he says, hey, I need you to do these things. And that has, has been enormous. Awesome. For both of us, because before it's like I had all the power and he had all the ideas and, and through studying the data, which I'm not studying the data because I'm too busy writing right? because I'm focused on the product. And so now it's like I'm still holding the power here, but I'm not having the information to make the right decisions. And so that was really frustrating for, for, for mostly for him. And, and I wish I made a decision earlier, but now that, that he's in charge – of the business, it's like, thank fucking God. Now I focus on writing and then press external relations, just building relationships and, and attracting talent to come work with us. That That's my focus because that's what I'm good at and that's what I want to do. That's what makes me the most happy. And he is a business genius and, and build, growing business makes him the most happy. That's awesome. Him, him creating a plan for the business makes him as happy as writing a script makes me happy or acting, directing. <laughs> so. so, you know... Vet TV obviously is growing, you know, but here's the thing, man, is like, I even remember when we were in Austin and you were doing a show and I remember you vocalizing, you know, some of your concerns about the model and like, man, I put all myself into this. Like, you know, it was obvious, like there was a real strain on you in those moments. I think this was a couple of years ago, man. It was probably two or three years ago now, but hearing you like vocalize those concerns really showed me how hard this was, mm. you know, and what you were doing, like emptying, you know, emptying your savings in support of this. So for those of you who are listening to this right now and think like, Hey man, Donnie's super successful. Now we've said this 10 times throughout the podcast, but he is doing a great job, but it is a struggle every day mm -hmm. and you have to keep pushing. You have to keep driving. And the lesson is that passion, passionate pursuit takes a lot of work, but you're consistently doing that. Mm -hmm. So how how dark have been have some of those days been for you when you've been in kind of the hole, you know, where it's like, man, I don't know. You know, how, how has that been tough recently or have, you know, has, you know, has it been easier lately? 
lately past maybe two months. Yeah. I like to think that it has been because I actually made some, uh, we made some changes of our staffing. Okay. You know, right people, right jobs. Yeah. Okay. So once we did that, it was like, oh, wow, that's significantly better. Right, right prior to then, I got to a, re- I got to the, I don't, I don't say dark place. I don't like, I don't go dark. I don't think, I don't think like most people do. Like, right, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm always, you know, dealing with suicide and shit. the reality is my last suicidal ideation was being bullied at, at 15. Never, never, never once since. Not even the slightest, tiniest little mate. No, not even a, a fucking hundred light years close to that kind of thought. Right. Um, and I, and I feel very fortunate for that. I had one ideation, 15. Lasted for maybe thirty seconds, and that's that's all I got yeah. on my on my books. So I don't I don't think that I go dark. Yeah. I just get really stressed, and I get really uh, frustrated, and I have to exercise, spend time alone, and I mean, truth be told, I talk to myself a lot, a lot. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And I I have to lay all the things out and the problems out and. I get really deep of, and a lot of the stress is people, you know, and it's like every every other entrepreneur I've ever talked to, it's like all the problems, all your problems from this time to this time are going to be people. And from this time to this time, it's going to be, I want to say money. And then from this time to time, it's going to be people. And and it's all because I started a business full of my friends, right? And now I have to manage my friends. Which is tough. The most miserable part of this job is that I have a company full of my friends. I'm talking one of one of these guys, Christopher Michael, 25 years. Mm, wow. Best friends, 25 years. Greg Kelly, yeah, guy who wrote and uh, directed uh, Checkpoint Charlie, mm-hmm. which Checkpoint Charlie 2 is coming out. That thing is is, is Netflix all the way. Awesome. Like, it, it's insane. Um, we've been friends, uh, same fraternity. Wow. <laughs> same frat in college. So that, I don't know, 12 years there. And then who else? And a handful of other people that we've worked with that- um, our old friends, but then everyone in this company has all become a close friend of mine. I live with two of them, yeah. Jessica Mandala and Fernando Rivera. Cool. You know what I'm saying? So having to keep driving these people uh, who are my friends and going from moments where we have this amazing laughter together and then the next day having to hold them accountable for something and then feel their resentment, right? You know, these are people who, who look to me for love yeah. and affection. Because I like to think I can make people feel really good. And then to have to flip around to the other side and express my disappointment, anger, frustration with them for something. that In a company full of highly sensitive and emotional artists, that's the most miserable part of this job. Mm, yeah. I, won't, I won't say dark. I'll just say lonely. Right, lonely. Yeah. Right? Because as soon as I f- flip that and I'm not being the happy, loving guy that they enjoy working with sometimes yeah. and enjoy being around sometimes. As soon as I go turn from that, they don't want anything to do with me. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. Wow. And they'll go out of their way to avoid me because me holding them accountable hurts a hundred times more than somebody else holding them accountable. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. And so now these people that I love, they're my favorite audience, mm. right? Like as a comedian, I need, an, I, I need to think I'm making people laugh. Yeah. This is who I am. I sit in my room and I make videos talking to the camera and just thinking that one day people will laugh makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. I've come to accept it. I need that. But my favorite audience is them, is my friends and family. So when my favorite audience, the people I love the most, don't want anything to do with me, that sucks. That's fucking miserable. That's rough. And that's lonely. Because I've, as I've come to realize through this experience, 
I'm one of the most sensitive and emotional people I know. Really? Without comparison. When I, when I finally allow myself to feel a sense of sadness, it's like turning on a huge, uh, like a fire hose, and I'm bawling and sobbing. And this is who I've always been. And I, for all that time that I was, was so focused on being an alpha male, many years of being, you know, I was, I was jacked. I was fighting all the time. I had to beat up all the bullies yeah. in the world. And then in the Marine Corps, it's all fucking alpha male, right? Yeah. Infantry officers are some competitive motherfuckers. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. You know, it's constant competition to be the alpha all day, every day, to be the funniest guy, to be the smartest guy, to be the most physically fit guy, just to be hard, Yeah. right? And so I had to suppress that part of my personality. But the reality is that if I'm experiencing a sorrowful emotion with someone I love, if I allow myself to actually feel I'm bawling, and that is who I am. Wow. And I finally come to accept that at yeah. 30 years old. <laughs> and, 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 and since accepting that, I'm a much happier person. Since letting go of having the desire to be the alpha, it's like, my God, life is so much better. That's awesome. Ugh. It allows me to express myself much better without having that constant worry about, is this going to make me less of an alpha in their eyes? Interesting. And in, in, and in business, alpha means nothing. That's true. Right? Because you could be a fucking Nazi, mm -hmm. but then behind your back, everyone's talking shit about you. Yeah. Everyone's kind of Everyone's you know. thinking. They're, all, they're looking for other jobs. Right? Mm -hmm. So Steve Jobs got away with it for as long as he did, and I'm sure other, plenty of other entrepreneurs do, because... Uh, they can accept a high turnover rate. And because people desire to be there so badly. Right. This happens in Hollywood all the time too. Mm. Big directors and producers. Yeah. I mean, actors and shit, Like their status is so high and the demand to work with them and for them is so high that they can get away with treating people poorly. They can get away with a lack of compassion. Right. But the majority of the business world is not the case. And so if, if, if you're a real hard ass and you're holding people to the fire, but you're churning, turning over employees mm. every couple of weeks, there's a problem. Proud to say that we are, our turnover rate is beautifully low. Beautifully low. We got the same people here since when we started, minus very few. And that is, I, I, I will not say that that's because of me. I would say that's because of the culture. It's that, that these people have enjoyed, in general, the people around them enough that they pushed through uh, back when I was a Nazi. And they pushed through the long hours mm. and lack of gratitude at times. So the whole notion of being the alpha, that's another thing that I want to message that I want to communicate to our community is that let that go, dude. You're not in the fucking grunts anymore. Or even just the grunts, just the Marine Corps in general. If a Marine admin guy pushing paperwork, he, for the next 20 years of his life, is still trying to be the alpha. It's like, let it go, man. Like being the alpha is, I, I believe, is actually damaging. Mm -hmm. Like all the, the whole, the liberals and they uh, they got it wrong. Toxic masculinity, what that really means is a constant competition to be the alpha. And if you can reduce that competition, you can get rid of some of that, sh the, 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 the harmful sh Men got to be men. That sh better never go away. But you don't always have to compete to be the alpha in unhealthy ways. Right. Because then it becomes 
you know, propaganda in a lot of ways too, like where you're, you know, not realistically going after what it means to be a man or a warrior. You know, Rudy and I talked about this concept of the, you know, of the gardener, of the uh, man in the garden who finishes his career as a warrior, right? Even Spartan culture celebrated men who would go back and then become the peacekeeper, you know? Yeah. Become, go to Senate, go to Congress or whatever. They had fought, they spent their time and then they got out and then it's like, you know, now the job is to take care of your family. Yeah. To be that peaceful man. It's not... That, know your role, dude. Know your role. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not in the military yeah. anymore. Yeah, Keep it up. Yeah, you're not in the military anymore. There's a reason for that model within the military role, but that outside of the military, people look at you like, dude, what are you doing? Like, calm down, you know? Yeah. And that whole... That, that toxicity is really, you know, it's really just propagating something false like this narrative that you've got to be mean to be hard be brutal to be tough and that's just not the reality yeah there are times in firefighter you gotta yell at your guys you gotta get on to somebody but what i found even in the army model when i was a team leader was like sometimes speaking softly to my guys and like you know opening up with them be like hey man i'm really struggling with this can you guys help me with this that's not always gonna be the model in infantry company but sometimes it is sometimes it's say hey guys you know round table here who wants to talk? What are you guys frustrated about with me? What can I do better? Mm-hmm. And opening yourself up to that critique and therefore showing a softer side of yourself. But I truly think that's the more masculine thing in more manly thing, being vulnerable in that moment, expressing that to your guys like, hey, I do have this weakness. I need to admit that. Can we help work on this? And that's what you essentially are doing you know, here in this podcast, even is saying, hey, man, I suck at this. I didn't do this well. I wish I would have managed my people better here. Admitting those vulnerabilities makes people more comfortable with you, you know? Yeah. Like, that model works within the company. It works within life, man. Yeah. You got to do that with your family, too. So, it's very powerful to hear you say that. But I wanted to wrap things up. I know we've been on this. This would be like, you know, could go on for 10 hours. Cause I know. Such an interesting great. Guy. I love it. I mean, but, you know, I wanted to ask you about finishing you know about about goals and your legacy and where you're going because i you know i say that statement the end or the beginning of every podcast but it's not just a cliche to me our legacies are the mission is something that i believe in very strongly uh you know rudy and i talked about it yesterday um within that archetype of storytelling true storytelling not in the way that hollywood necessarily defines it you know where it's like hey find us the thing that's going to bring us the most money that's going to entertain you know we got rambo number 10 coming out and what's the biggest bang for our dollar exactly but for me storytelling is changing lives it's impacting the community it's showcasing our real lives putting those in a format that's digestible, like we're doing with the project, like you're doing Fet TV and the humor side, making people, showing people the real weaknesses, the vulnerabilities, the life struggles that we have, showcasing that as a legacy piece, highlighting that is so important. What are your goals going forward with your legacy piece, you know, and what you're doing with Vet TV? Uh, okay, so there's, I'll, I'll do Vet TV. Mm-hmm. And myself personally, they're kind of actually they're they're very similar. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so with Vet TV, I want to um, I want this to be a vehicle with which to build community, and I want to do so by having one aspect of our business is the the model that we have right now. It's a subscription service. So think of that as, as I'm gonna I, I like to say HBO now high quality television on a, on a paid uh, subscription model. 
I'm starting up Vet TV Films now as well. Mm, I didn't TV, know that. Vet TV Films is going to be a different business model built on selling films on the open market, not just within the context of our, or of our app. Gotcha. And, but these are films sold to the veteran community. I mean, anyone can buy them, but they are to be sold to the veteran community. And these are all going to fall underneath the umbrella of recreate, parody, and celebrate the military experience, right? So these films, what I want to do is I want to have all the big names in our community leading films. In our community, we have stars. We do. Their names are Matt Best, Nate Boyer, Rudy mm-hmm. Reyes, Tim Kennedy, Drew Hernandez, Yusha Thomas, John Burke. These guys who, I mean, every one of us, there is this little kid inside who wants attention. <laughs> every one of us. And that, that gives us energy. And I know almost all these guys. And all these guys, I think, are beautiful people because they'll get that attention. They'll get that energy from others. And in return, they give back love. They're all, they all give back good things with the attention that they get. Right. Right? So that's why I love these guys, and I want them to lead films. Tim Kennedy is the fucking Chuck Norris of the veteran community. Look at how he's branded himself already. Hard to kill. Yeah. Like, it's perfect. Yeah. Except unlike Chuck Norris, the fucking Air Force guy, Tim is actually a true killer. Yes. A true warrior. Truly in, dangerous, in, in the ring and in the battlefield. Uh, Rudy Reyes, the Jean-Claude Van Damme of yeah. the military community. One of the most loving guys that scares me the most out of anybody in the world. He has the martial arts. He's got this beautiful aesthetic in both yes. face and body. Oh, yeah. He has the personality that is that peaceful warrior. He's got both sides. Mm-hmm. He's fucking Van Damme. Yeah. We got um, people salivating over here already. <laughs> yeah. We got Matt Best. He is, I, I look at him, and I just told him recently, and he was just like, bro, I think you nailed it. He's fucking Ryan Reynolds mm. of our community. He does remind me a little bit of Ryan, for sure. Just, just look at the that, humor. Yeah. Just listen to the the voice of of Deadpool, and then listen to Matt's book. It's, far, I, I think Matt's way a hundred times funnier. But Matt's actually been a badass on the battlefield, and he can he combines that beautiful look with the badassery and a sense of humor. That's yeah. Ryan Reynolds, in my opinion. No one else in in Hollywood has nailed that except except Ryan. And then I want to be the Adam Sandler of our community. <laughs> I just want Love to be it. that happy, goofy, silly guy that in every film goes through the hero's journey, being an average guy who is pushed into a a journey where he has to become the best version of himself. Because that's my real life journey. That's me to the T. And if I can recreate that in films, just like Adam Sandler did through telling veteran stories and military stories, then what I would like to do going back to the legacy is I want to be living proof that you can do anything you set your mind to. I want to be living proof that you can make your dreams a reality. Because I was not this awesome, amazing guy that some people think I am, which I'm not (laughs) in real life. He is. I wasn't my whole life. I grew from being this this kid who was bullied to the point of considering suicide, from this kid who thought who was incompetent, Mm -hmm. who has never been significantly smart, who has always struggled with math, who has always struggled with communication and being on time and all of these things that everyone struggles with. I'm, I just want to say, look, I'm, I've been you. I've been exactly who you are now. I've been that. I've been there. Yeah. And I am the person I am now because I was willing to work for it. Yeah. And so I want my films to show that. And I want all of these films of these guys who are stars already, yeah. but I want to make vet, stars of Vet TV films. I want all of their journeys to do the same thing for the community. And that's what Happy Madison Productions did. Every single film takes the protagonist, shows them as an average guy that gets forced to be above average through this mission that he accepts. Adam, he's got he's to make the money to save his grandma's house. Mm. He's got to win his dad's business. Tommy Boy. 
got to win his dad's business or save his dad's business. You know what I mean? All, they have these, these goals to achieve, but in the process of achieving those goals, they have to develop themselves and grow as a person. Yeah. And what I loved about Adam that I, I lo- want to, to put in my films too is that he was always nice to the little guys, to the little dorks and the nerds and the social outcasts and the weirdos. That's true. And all the people that I was yeah. when I was younger. He was nice to them in every film and in real life. And at the end of the film... They all come rally together to save him and help him achieve his goal. So there's this message of treat the little guys like they're gold. And I want to communicate that through films. That's my personal legacy is is that right there. But through the veteran community, there is the television shows, there are the films, and then there's Vet TV Live, which is going to be live events, which Vet TV, I'm sorry, Reverend Warriors, I just realized, has built the infrastructure, kind of. I mean, I don't know how it would look. But to have a USO tour, our own USO tour, with all these stars that mm. we're developing, these characters that these people come to love, because these characters are recreating their experiences, now they're going on live tours around the country at the Silky Sykes. The infrastructure's there. Yeah. So that's Vet TV live events. I want that to build into the Great American Festival, Veteran Festival, that is will essentially be like the Veteran Burning Man, the Veteran Coachella, or Kaboo, which is this, 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 this mixture of arts, entertainment, but celebrating the military experience. Because if we can recreate parody and celebrate the military experience, we can bring veterans together uh, in huge numbers. Awesome. Nothing else has, has, has proven to bring veterans together other than entertainment. Nothing brings anyone together like entertainment does in the entire country. Not it's even politics, political rallies. I think Trump is the first guy to have a rally that big. Yeah. <laughs> Before then, it's just entertainers. And he is an entertainer, too. <laughs> oh, uh, that's right. Touche. Yeah. The guy's a fucking entertainer. Yeah. The guy's a comedian. Yeah. <laughs> no one else knows it. Oh, yeah. I know it as a fellow comedian. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's like there's that. And then the other idea that I have is Vet TV Free, which is a free app, which I'm sorry, it's the same app. Mm-hmm. It's all put together in one app. But the app is filled with really cheap, easily digestible content that you would see on social media. That social media is cracking down more and more on dark military humor. Well, so what I've we've all noticed is that there's millions of, of veterans and active duty people out there who are creating pages that are military related and they're expressing military humor on it. So there is this desire for military people to express themselves. I'm seeing these new TikTok things. Have you seen TikTok? Yeah, I've seen it. The yep. app. Yep. The, 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 they're in uniform, like singing songs and shit. I, 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 I look at it and I think to myself, oh my God, if anybody in my infantry unit did that while I was in, they would have got the shit beat out of oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> combat deploying unit. My, all, all my sergeants and my platoon sergeants oh, yeah. had all been in combat two, three times. They saw that shit. That guy would add his head through a Dead, wall. Yeah. However. You, you know what's funny? <laughs> to, to give pause to that, I was thinking about how ridiculous that app was. And mm-hmm. then I was thinking to myself, how can I propagate that for the Veterans Project? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm thinking, how do I propagate that for Vet TV? Well, here's what I'm seeing. These kids have a desire to express themselves. That's all they're doing. It's a desire to express themselves. And when you join the U.S. military, the contract that you sign says you do not have the ability to express yourself like you would if you were not here. You are sacrificing some self-expression, not all, but some. Yeah, definitely. So if we can give these people some outlet to express themselves, because if you think about like, you guys had do gong shows in the army, you know, we're like, like you, to think you guys have it. like mess nights, yes, unit yes, nights, yes. balls, and mm-hmm. there's some element of theater to it. Yes. Like the reading of the scrolls and stuff. Our, our Marine mess nights are the, some of the funniest times in, in the world, but it's all theater. Right. And then uh, when you do the gong show, at the end of boot camp, all the kids- the, the guys who are just about to graduate and girls, 
they make fun of the drill instructors in theater. It's a part of our culture already. The arts is there. It's just suppressed a little bit. It only comes out at the appropriate times. But there's a desire to express yourself in the military. Mm -hmm. If we could give them a more healthy outlet that is acceptable and then also give the veterans an, an ability to express themselves and give thousands, tens of thousands of veterans and military people a platform with which to express themselves, that's Vet TV free. And so like now that. it's constant content it's coming from the users, coming from these people who obviously if they're expressing it, they want it. So there's others who want it. And now that's the Vet TV free app, which is just military entertainment. It's not high quality television and film. It's not high quality scripted. Some of it could be scripted if you're planning something in the barracks or whatever, like Terminal Boots used to do. There is a lot of danger there with getting in trouble, but there's something there. And right. it all comes down to to our, our natural desire to express ourselves and create art and entertainment. And if we can give people a platform to do that, we've done another good thing for them. Because a lot of what I see is a problem in the veteran community. A lot of the anger that guys have, you know, when a guy is, is a fucking asshole to his girlfriend, it's usually because he's feeling insecure, right? He sees, I used to feel it all the fucking time. See my girlfriend talk to this, if I saw my girlfriend go talk to Matt Best, and if I saw her clearly like be attracted to him, if I saw that, I'm going to get insecure. And you know what I would do when I was younger? I'd go be a fucking asshole to her. Yeah. How many guys do that? And all that does is create a culture of discomfort. And yeah. then to where that girl's gone, like, yeah. you know, two days later, because there's no trust. But, but could he express that emotion better? It all comes down to the ability to communicate what you're thinking and how you're feeling, which right. is expression. And, and guys don't do that because it contradicts the alpha male nature right. of things. Instead of being comfortable and stating like, hey, that kind of made me uncomfortable a little earlier. Yeah. And I don't know what it was about that. I know it's probably silly insecurity. Yeah, but hearing like even myself say that is like, <laughs> that would never happen. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. no alpha. Well, guys is, could do it. Yeah, right. Exactly. But you know what's funny though is that uh, I've seen it with Rudy. And I've seen it with myself, but I remember seeing comments on there. Guys just, oh, dude, I totally let Rudy f*** my girlfriend. Like, right? Like, they're acknowledging mm -hmm. that their girlfriend would probably be attracted to him. And there's no fighting it. And there's no reason in trying to ignore that <laughs> fact of reality. Look at his f***ing body. Forgotten. He is You, you can't. Yes. And his face. Forgot. He's just. He is a you great can't not God. acknowledge it. Yes, in body form. So, so I'm seeing, like, culturally, I think some guys are getting better about this. And I think if we can just be more open about this kind it's of stuff. It's more attractive, too, when a guy's like that. Like, even for Because like, it shows dude, security. Yeah. yeah, it's like, cool, man. Like, I get it. You are hot. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, if a guy saw his girl go talk to some really good looking dude and felt a little insecure, if he would just go to his girl and be like, hey, I know you probably thought that guy was super hot. You want to just tell me that you're not going to go f*** him? <laughs> and then at least give her an opportunity to be like, babe, I, fucking, I love you. I'm yeah. not going to go do anything with him. Yeah, he's beautiful. Good. but <laughs> Because then what you're doing is you're just giving the, your girlfriend the opportunity to say, yeah, so what? I know. I see you looking at hot chicks all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking at magazines. You're looking at porn. You're looking at chicks when we're eating fucking dinner walk by. Like, yeah, I thought it, but I'm not going to do anything that at least encourages that conversation. Right, yeah. You have that conversation immediately. Everything's better. It's awesome. And you don't need to be a f your girl. Or then she, you know, grabs his hand and walks off with him into the sunset, and then you're there by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> or you would At give least the it's honest. Yeah. Away. You, you have then you, you give the opportunity to be a dirtbag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't need to be with her anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Donnie, um, I wanted to thank you for coming on the Veterans Project podcast, man. It's awesome to thank have you. you here. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to say to close things out 
you know, you might be searching for that place where you're inspiring and creating inspiration and in what you do, but this is always a process and a path, man. So I want to encourage you to enjoy those little wins, even though yeah. it's really hard, you know, in what you're doing. I mean, I see this board and I see organized madness, you know, yeah. going on. You've got six weeks to put out another show, six weeks, six weeks, six Ugh. weeks, and the consistent passionate pursuit of what you're doing but it's all beautiful because you're chasing your passion you're getting an opportunity to live out your dream and so many guys already see you i mean you get messages all the time i got a message here when i even showed that little clip you know you like walking in it's like oh you're doing the podcast with donnie yeah (laughs) you know and like (laughs) and like seeing that is an inspiration to get those guys to pull that gun out of their mouth when they're in that hard place man like you saw it early in your career Mm -hmm. of like dude I would have killed myself already if I hadn't if I hadn't read your book. Yeah. Things like that. Those that's one person you can save. Yeah, it means a lot. It's already mission accomplished in your life, man. Like yeah. your passionate pursuit. I know you want to save way more. And like that's what this is built on. It's all predicated upon that. You're creating a sense of community. But I just wanted to say, man, like I see your work no matter how I view a show, you know, in the humor or whatever, I see it as consistently helping so for me, that's a huge goal. That's why I wanted to have you on and why I wanted to make you a part of the project is because I believe in what you're doing. I believe in even if, you know, even if somebody doesn't like a certain skit or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're all you're building community. You're creating a mm-hmm. culture where we can openly laugh, where we can come back to each other and enjoy that tribe and feel more comfortable and non-isolated. Mm. You know, isolation is the killer. So I just wanted to thank you for doing this in a way that's open and honest and bringing that culture back and bringing art to light, man, because a lot of us are, comfor- are uncomfortable with the art part. I mean, me, like guys in my unit would call me the unicorn, you know, because like I was always just doing like, hey, bro, get, hey, put your Kevlar on this way and let me get this angle right here. <laughs> <laughs> or, hey, get up, get up on the corner of that building. It'll make us look like we're in a firefight and you're out. <laughs> you know, we're going to, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that looked savage. We were in Sodder City in this shot. It's like, no, you were in the corner of Biop and like Striker or something. <laughs> but, you know, like having that, I don't, I do not back up Stolen Valor. That's not good. Guys, don't do that. But <laughs> the Stolen Valor guys right now are listening to this. They're like, ah, oh, Colzak, we're coming for you next, bro. <laughs> you know, like for me, though, what you're doing is beautiful. And it's already created something that guys are looking up to in that process. And I know for you, it's like, yeah, but I haven't gotten there yet. There is no getting there. You're consistently working yeah. towards, you're consistently on the path. Yeah. So I want to thank you for where you're at right now, man. In thank pursuing you. that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So this has been the Veterans Project Podcast, episode of Donnie O'Malley. And uh, I just want to remind everybody to follow Vet TV. Subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe. Oh, yeah. Can I please say? Dude, plug it. Okay. Check it out. Plug it. Vet TV now has 14 different television shows. Wow. Hitting up all of the, not all the MOSs, but a lot of MOSs in all the branches. Mm-hmm. Okay. We got sketch comedy. Um, we have shows that look just like The Office. Yeah. Um, so some of our what shows, was that called again? That, I, I saw it's it just Chomp. recently. Chop. It's about it was, it's about an army admin shop, ah, an army okay. S one shop. Love it, and it's it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it was done by Braden Smith and Greg Kelly. Okay, and then Checkpoint Charlie, Army MPs, Greg Kelly, Jack Mandeville, Rich High, Nathan Ng, Jack Rich and 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 Greg wrote that thing, and that's intended to be for everyone who's ever been an army MP. Uh, and then we got a grunts life for all of the grunts who need that really sick. Shit. 
Mm-hmm. And um, then we got recruiters for everyone who's ever been a recruiter. It shows the miserable struggles recruiters grow through, but it's got some really dark humor in there. And um, and I could go on and on. Team Banff, another infantry show, infantry fire team, and the Bet, which is about a supply unit, but it's really about manipulation in the military. It's about the how terribly men and women manipulate each other. And um, and supply is super manipulative too. So oh sure for sure yeah. <laughs> and you know, and it's a, it's 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 an issue that we want to bring up. We should we we write honestly, but of course we make a, a complete joke out of out of everything. And so it's we have something for everyone. All that we ask is you just try it once. You can at this point you could probably get through everything in a month if you didn't have a job. <laughs> if you just want to sit around and watch, yeah, because we got we have a lot of shit now. Yeah. Um, but at the very least. Just watch the first episode of everything and subscribe once, just $5 once. And if you don't like it, then bail. Mm. Okay? Yeah. But you're losing $5. And on the flip side, if you appreciate it, we're giving you something that no one else in the world is giving you. Matt and JT and all those guys, I desperately want them to be part owners of this yeah. because they're making entertainment for the for the military community. Right, they're doing it. They look at their videos and their music. Yeah. It's for us. It's awesome, right? But they're running another business. They don't have the time to to rip their fucking hair out for twelve hours a day for a three month writing process to nail down an ensemble cast for a show that recreates a BAS, a, a greenside BAS. They don't have the time to do that. So we're the only ones doing it. And what we really want is for people to just give it a shot. It's just five dollars, and if you don't like it bail. But there's nothing that pains me more than seeing all of the brutal work that has gone into this and the money, $100,000 for a fucking six episode show that goes into this stuff. And then people don't even see it. Mm. That yeah. sucks the most. People unsubscribing, that hurts enough, yeah. right? That, that, that's, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, as a, we're learning. That right. means we got to be better. Yeah. If you never see it, that hurts. Yeah. Just give it a shot. Give it a shot, people. And then, and then if you want to bail, tell us why. Because like everything we've been talking about, you got to do, 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 fail, 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 learn, learn, learn. We're not going to make something better unless you tell us what needs to be better. That's the truth. Yeah. So like, I, I think we're the only people out there in social media who, when you write something in the comments, this sucks, this is trash, we say, we're sorry to let you down. Tell us how to do better. We're the only people I've ever seen do that. That's awesome. That's good social media feedback, though, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. you know what's great, too, is that all the people who are, do, are trying to just troll, they just, I think their brains short circuit when they see our response. <laughs> They're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> they don't know how to respond. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I was just trying to piss them off. Yeah. And they're actually genuinely. I've never to actually improve. watched the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so, so, anyways, yeah, that was my plug. Thank you for yeah, listening. Of course, man. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, Donnie, great having you on again. Thank you so much, brother. And uh, look Thank forward you. to watching Vet TV grow and Irreverent Warriors grow and just you grow in your legacy man thank you thank you and please remember people our legacies are the mission this has been the veterans project podcast with our founder tim k check us out at www.thevetsproject.com on instagram at the veterans project facebook the veterans project and twitter at project underscore veteran thanks for listening and don't forget Our legacies are the mission.